Hey Star Wars fans, welcome to another episode of the Jedi Council podcast. It's good to be back with you. A few more numbers uh, for the session today, unlike last week where we left Dave and Ali to their own devices, uh, much to my concern because I know how those two can go on and on and on. Uh, but for those of you who are new to the show, welcome. My name is Alex and I'm your host. It is good to be with you. Uh, we try to keep it guys entertained for an hour hour and a half ish of mostly everything and anything star wars um <clears throat> but today we're going to be focusing on as we've done for the past couple of weeks a full-on episode review of the mandalorian this week it is chapter 12 the siege and i'm not alone uh what a boring podcast that would be if i was on my jack jones i am joined by the two of you the two who we were with last week uh, as well as someone else so first and foremost is my good brother brother and buddy in the force dave say hello dave hello dave hello welcome back mate it's good to be back again uh we also have mr contrary himself alistair clark say hello ali hello the original gilly you may be a west ham fan but i won't hold it against you <laughs> we're not going to be speaking about sports teams on this otherwise we'll be going for hours and hours and i'll just basically be very happy that spurs are top of the league but anyway let's move on from that we also have joining us from the west coast of the states justin Ward. say hello justin hello justin dude we need to we need to come up with an we need to we need to start thinking of something for you you know we've got the first lady mr lego at least you once know. And and I'm well. I'm apparently I'm the Disney defender. Um, excuse me, I can't I can't really call myself that because that sounds really modest. But anyway, uh, so yes, we are here to talk about the Mandalorian chapter twelve, the siege. But before we do so, last week we spoke about chapter eleven, and I don't want to bang on about chapter eleven too much. But Justin, you and I, we couldn't jump on the show last week. There was a last week was a massive episode for a lot of core star wars fans just want to quickly get your take on how you felt and a couple of thoughts on the show that was dropped last week chapter 11 the heiress i think it was good wasn't it heiress heiress what you want to call it yeah no last week you know was really really good i mean we got to see some of the things that a lot of people have really been waiting for i think and obviously alistair's down there going i don't think so i don't like it i'm Unfortunately, no, no, no. I just thought of a nickname. I, I didn't get a chance to, to listen to their rebuttal last week, so I'll, I'll have to get Ali's fresh perspective on it this week. But um, no, it, it was, you know, having watched the Clone Wars and, and getting all the way through that from the beginning to the end and Rebels and things like that and seeing it all come together live action is is really a treat, in my opinion. So, Yeah, I could not agree more. Um uh, it was kind of rumoured, wasn't it, and then confirmed that, that Katie Sackhoff was playing Bo, uh, bo And I thought, yeah, you know, with the voice fits and whatnot, it does lead me to an interesting concern, for want of a better word, that I have. In And we'll get to Ahsoka. And we'll uh, just by <laughs> saying that, I'm sure you guys can kind of maybe even kind of guess where I was going to go with that. But I thought seeing the other Mandalorians come into life a little bit was was fantastic. Interesting that they called him a child of the watch, which for me, you know, Ali and I were doing a, a watch along together and we was exchanging WhatsApp and I was like, oh my God, it's Death Watch. Um, you know, so for me, that was like, wow, kind of headaches moment. Um, and just really enjoyed the episode basically from start to finish. Favorite episode of chapter, chapter, uh, favorite episode of season two, probably my favorite episode all in all. Um, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. The Clone Wars and the Rebels fanboy in me was just going bananas. So, yeah, top-notch episode. Bryce Dallas Howard did an absolutely amazing job directing it. Um, 
and you know, as far as I'm concerned, she should get a few more episodes to herself, even the series, if she keeps on hitting those notes uh, as, as, as a fanboy that I am. So um, <clears throat> that's my two pennies worth when it comes to chapter 11. But let's focus on chapter 12 for today. Uh, so for those of you who are listening and you haven't seen chapter 12, if you don't want to be spoiled and you don't want to ruin this, uh, we don't want this to ruin it for you, uh, press pause. Go and have a watch. Come back when you're ready. Let's carry on. Uh, but effectively, yes, we're going to go massive into spoiler territory today, guys. Uh, so chapter 12, The Siege, episode four of season two, uh, released on November the 20th, which was obviously last Friday. So just a couple of days ago as a point of recording. Um, and first topic of conversation, directed by Carl Weathers, guys. This is the first episode that he has done. How do you of a directorial uh, debut uh, of The Mandalorian, Dave? Controversial first point then. Go on. Dialogue wasn't the best. Awful. It was awful. It was among the worst Star Wars dialogue. <laughs> I wouldn't say I wouldn't say the worst. There are, there are no, definitely worse I watched ones. this. I watched this with so for the first time Did he ever, write it or my first show with my girlfriend, who literally after ten minutes was like, This is the most poorly written show for dialogue that I've seen in a long time. It was intimate of run, run. Help, run, quick, quick, run, quick, run, quick, quick, help, run, quick. That's basically the episode's dialogue. <laughs> However, other than the dialogue, I thought it was a very, very good show. And of course, to Justin's point, uh, yeah, that it wasn't written by Carl Weathers, just to be clear. It was written by John Favreau, uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. It was directed, obviously, by Carl Weathers. Justin, how do you feel Carl did as his debut uh, on The Mandalorian? I mean, you know, much to their point, like, I mean, you know, the dialogue maybe not great, not the greatest, but uh, overall, I felt like everybody was pretty consistent, although I didn't necessarily see the crew member in the background, so maybe, maybe... <laughs> Maybe not as good. Now that's a that's a criticism. Not right? even Carl Weathers, so. though. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm sure they had had a director of photography and God knows how many other people on set. So who knows, you know? But <laughs> it's funny you say that because I've got I'm I'm cheating a little bit this week. I've got the Wikipedia page up right, and it's got directed by Carl Weathers, written by John Favreau, produced by John Favreau, and then you've got cinematography and editing. It's like these two guys might need to have a word and go to John Favreau. Sorry, mate, we've messed up a little bit here. We left a dude in the background, or as he's becoming known as Mr. Jeans and T-shirt guy. Um, yeah. I, I actually saw a Lego, a mocked-up Lego set of him, um, which was absolutely hilarious. Dave, you shared a, a WhatsApp um, a message to us with the a vintage retro Hasbro yeah, version of him as well. Version. Yeah, so guys, for, for those of you who aren't, overly familiar or you're, you're new to this piece of information um before we get into the story yes um in one of the scenes there is a member of the crew standing in the background uh it's only a fleeting second or two that he's actually on camera uh but it's, it's become a, it's a bit eight, of a... 18 minutes 54 seconds i took a screenshot <laughs> Brilliant. There you go, listeners. Jump to 18 minutes and 54 seconds. Hit pause and you'll see the T-shirt guy in the background. You know, he's going to become one of those ones like the Stormtrooper that bangs his head in A New Hope. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be one of those. And you can imagine the cosplay at Celebration 2022 is going to go bananas for, for, this, for this particular crew member. And, you know, hopefully he gets his own panel. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> Do you but, remember... Uh, do you remember in Game of Thrones when this happened and there was the Starbucks 
Yeah, the cup appeared, on the table. But they edited it out after a couple of days, and that original yeah. version was never shown. I reckon Disney Plus will do the same. Because it does show you this this was obviously produced at home. You know, they weren't in a studio because of what's That's happened right. in 2020. So these mistakes are going to happen more than they would normally because even though you might have frame by frame, to your point, Alex, people are working at home. It's it's going to be much more difficult to have that cohesive end product. So, like, I give the I give the cinematographer a little bit of slack here. Uh, to be honest with you, I think it's brilliant. Um, it shows that you can have, you know, even with the Game of Thrones thing, I, I, I hope they don't change it. Um, you know, otherwise we'll get chapter 12 special edition um, without the T-shirt guy or whatever they're going to start calling it. But, um, I, you know, like the Game of Thrones piece, I thought it was I thought it was hilarious when the coffee cup was in it. Um, and it just shows that even these big, massive studios do have a tendency to make a, a faux pas here and there. Uh, and to your point, it happens, right? We're, we're, we're humans, right? There's only so much we can see and spot. And for those of you that have seen our YouTube videos and listened to some of our podcasts, I'm sure we, we've made many a boo-boo in the past as well. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I embedded the majority of those. There were no errors. No errors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, for those that have errors, have probably been edited by me, if that's the case. Um, so that's that's... <laughs> so that's the first couple of talking points, but let's jump into the plot. Um, we we join as Mando's in his bash up. Can I have an overview? You, you gave them, you let them say what they thought overall about the episode. Yep. Can I have one? Yeah, but you jumped in and interrupted Dave when we were talking about the director, so I thought you'd had yours. <laughs> no, I didn't get my overall point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ali, how did you find... I can literally hear all today? 10 people that listened to the last episode thinking... Gosh, I miss Mr. Contraria's host. He gave everyone a fair crack of the whip. He just gave on the last podcast. Well, there's probably a reason why I don't give you a fair crack of the whip. But anyway, carry on, mate. What's your initial thoughts on Carl Weathers' directorial debut on The Mandalorian? Okay, so so I thought the directing was fine. But I thought, in all in all, it was an average to poor episode with about three minutes of unbelievably interest in things happening that really shaped the entire thing going forward. The rest of it, I thought, was pretty, pretty much... I mean, and you're going to go through it scene by scene, so it's great, so I can go, this is why this is rubbish. Um, but it was pretty much just bland, apart from one scene. So... Oh, right. uh, go on, Dave. Before we go on, I have one question of all of you. Why is it called siege? A siege is normally where attackers are outside of a fortress or, or what have you and are blockading that fortress. Um, so, for instance, in The Phantom Menace, the blockade by the Trade Federation could be considered a siege. This, for me, I, I didn't understand why it was called the Siege. We've had the Siege of Mandalore as well, haven't we? As a, yeah. as a Clone Wars or a Rebels episode, wasn't it? With the Siege That's of Mandalore. Clone Wars, yeah. Yeah, so um, I, my, my only take on that is that they've sieged the Empire's Imperial Fortress got into it and taken over it and destroyed it. I don't know, that's the only thing, that's the only loose link that I can see. Yeah. I just, I just felt that the title was slightly off for me. but I thought maybe it was reversed because I know that the initial intent when he comes in to Navarro is, is that they're going to go and take out the, the garrison. 
And maybe they're worried that the garrison is going to come and siege Navarro. So maybe it's a preemptive strike. Not still, not not the greatest, not the greatest explanation in the world, but we, we, that was initially what I thought. In in season one, where you have the stormtroopers and death troopers laying siege to the cantina. Yeah, where, episode where, seven and eight, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That that yeah. was a siege. Right, right. And I maybe that's what they're worried was gonna happen in the city after because now that they've they've tamed it, I mean that's what the whole first portion of the of the episode is about is them showing you how Navarro has changed since you know they kicked out the what was they thought the majority of the empire and I mean they also thought that that garrison was skeleton crew which it ended up not being. Mm. Fair point. Yeah. No, I think that's a, that's an interesting one, Dave Valley. Any thoughts? You're absolutely right, Dave. It should be called the non-siege. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could have been called anything. The lab or the... The the the, the non-siege the... dot 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 run help quick. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna name this podcast episode 50 whatever it is. Run, run, help, run. <laughs> and then leave it at that. Um, <laughs> But but yes, you know, we do join Navarro. Uh, we well, we Mandalorian goes back to Navarro, does need to get his shit fixed up, basically. Um, and this is where he rejoins Grief Karga and, and Cara June. Uh, so we welcome back previous heroes uh, from season one. Can, can I call them heroes, or are they just characters? I mean, I'll argue, argue he's the Mandalorian a hero. Yes. He does help people. He's helped more people than he's... It, if you ignore the Empire, he's helped more people than he's not. I go back to the chart I, I posted he's on Twitter. People he's neutral good. <laughs> he's, yeah, I think that goes back to your point, Justin, doesn't it? How, what was it? It wasn't last week, it was the week before where he was talking about, is he a good guy or not? Yeah, is he a good yes. guy or not? I think I, I posted yeah. one of those. Yeah. New, good, you know, chaotic good, neutral good, good, altruic good, altruistic Vent, good. Yeah. Venn diagram, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a little <laughs> layout. So I, I, I think he's neutral good. I, I don't think, you know, I think he'll do what he needs to for himself in a situation. Much like, you know, Boba Fett used to, but maybe not as ruthlessly. More, yeah, more, you know, more like Embo and the, the group of mercenaries that we saw in Clone Wars. Oh, well, Embo and them were pretty pretty ruthless at times. I was going to say, yeah, they were more your conventional hunter-killer characters. Yeah. Well, they well, we we, we like... saw them in the, in the episode helping the farmers, didn't we? I know they were being paid, but they could have walked away. True, true. But we also saw him try to kidnap the prince of that one. Um, yeah. Prince, was it a prince princess? I couldn't remember. But uh, on the train with when Boba Fett was leading that, uh, when Boba Fett was leading him, you know, maybe yes. it's because he was leading him and it was the type of job they were taking. So an yeah. argument could be made for that. They're, they're there for the money, ultimately, aren't they? So yeah. they're, they're their objective. That's the thing. They, that's you the know. thing with bounty hunters in general. It's always about the money. Whereas yeah. we're not seeing that with the Mandalorian, let's be honest. He's 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 taking the child back to his people, uh, or race, whatever you want to call them, and he's not getting paid for it. Um, he's doing it. He's getting, getting paid in different ways, like information and stuff. Yes, 
But in the original, like, EU books with Boba Fett, like, one of the things everybody always said is, like, that, that was everybody's criticism in the books. Whenever he would pick up quarries, they would be like, oh, you're just a hired thug. And he'd be like, yeah, but I'm hired by a specific person. He would never let him, because he would pick up people who were super wealthy, and they'd be like, I'll pay you. And he's like, no, I took the contract, and it's, you know, I'm taking you to the people who paid for that contract. But, but then these go to the highest bidder necessarily yeah true but his reputation would be in tatters if he oh, was right. always able to to be bought off be bought yeah right it, right so it, you don't you it, don't build you don't build a, guess, a name doing that right right no he signed the contract the contract is then owned by the contract yeah um, what's that phrase there's honor amongst thieves uh so clearly there's honor amongst yeah. bounty hunters uh, yes, in star wars universe as it, you know yeah. um <clears throat> so we know he goes back and this is the first thing that we see uh grief gets two of his guys his guys uh to perform maintenance and basically making the, the razor quest spick and spam and i'm going to jump forward massively because we find out at the end of the episode and i'm jumping forward a little bit one of the guys who does the maintenance on the Razor Quest works for the Empire. Now, I I don't know if the, I don't know if the camera was foreshadowing it or whatever, but as soon as they turned to him, it was as if at that point in the story, which is what a couple of minutes into the episode, it foreshadowed that there was something definitely dodgy about yeah. this guy. Ali, go for it. That's what I was. You know, when I said there were lots of things about this episode which weren't that interesting, but there were a couple of minutes that were. I think what came out of this episode for me was not so much what was on screen, but what it could mean. So, for example, Grief Karga has basically become the new Lando Carizzi, yeah? He's now got an administrator. He's now yep. got a help for hire in the Marshal. And it looks like he's betraying the Mandalorian in the same way that, that Lando led them to Darth Vader. You always say Star Wars repeats bees. It's definitely mm-hmm. happening here because... You just you just made a very good point a minute ago about the fact that, you know, a bounty hunter ultimately is always about collecting bounties. Well, this guy was all about setting up the bounties. Mm. That's his thing. You know, I don't think mm. I think all of this he's turning into like this good guy. You know, when we had um, when we when we had a podcast recently, we talked about how Star Wars suddenly jumped into being. No, no, no. What nothing to do with you. We're best pals. Um, it seems to me that that's happened here. And we're going to find out a huge misdirection pretty soon on that. Oh, I, I don't, I don't think so. To be honest, I don't think grief was involved in that. I think that that alien was definitely bought by the Empire outside of grief. Otherwise, he he wouldn't have been up for storming an Imperial base and and destroying everything there. But remember, who gave him the original bounty? Oh yeah, definitely. But so then, he's definitely got links to the Empire and particularly those people. He would have, but the person he had links to was then killed by um, Moff Gideon. The person that we know he had links to. So yes, far. but he but also Moff Gideon was then hunting him. And also, from like the point of where they showed us in the beginning, like he hasn't gone back to taking pucks and handing them out, right? No. No, but I he, still think he wants that money for Baby Yoda. Yeah. Admittance. No, I, I, I think well, he was already paid. He'd already been paid for his involvement. In there that. is nothing that makes a guy go from being the type of person he is to suddenly being a benevolent administrator, setting out the best trading outposts everywhere. He's the same guy. He's the same think, guy. Do you not think people can change? 
And well, the, I did. And, and, and then as Dave saw what happened to Han Solo in the sequel trilogy, it just doesn't happen, Alex. They go back to who they are. But the, the Lando did, had no choice. Lando, basically, the, the Darth Vader and um, Boba Fett turn up just before him. But we learned uh, from Solo that's who he is. But then we saw Han Solo. We, we saw Boba. Um, the film, I mean, yeah. Lando, Lando Calrissian after the, the Empire. Um, in Rise of Skywalker, he is firmly on the good side, as he was at the Battle of Endor. He'd he'd had his moment of where he could have gone either way. He could have become an Imperial lackey and chose not to be. I think they gave Carl Weathers this episode for a particular reason, and that so, was to the benefit of his character. So I'm going to start making a list of... All of Mr. Contreras' projections. <laughs> you've got a bit, and you've not got a book long enough for that. There's not yeah. pages in one of your books for the Make, not make, make a list that. of all the ones he's right on, because that'll be a lot shorter list. Oh, it's my short, yeah. Absolutely yeah. correct, Dave. <laughs> so, so I think the ones that are outstanding are the Mandalorian is full sensitive. That was one yep. of the early ones that you made, and That's now, of happening. course, you know. You're now going to say that Grief Cargo is a... Do you think he works for the Empire, or do you think he's just on the take because he's all about the money? Do, 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 okay, because we're getting away from the episode. I've got a that's, huge... Uh, I want to wrap up this particular point to get back to the episode. Well, that's why I think the, my theory on him and the moth, etc., I'll reveal it later. Okay, cool. Oh. So, so we know that this um, alien who fixes up of Razor Quest is effectively a member of the, of the Empire, um, which I thought was the first interesting point in this whole episode because, yeah, it kind of foreshadowed it a little bit. Um, the one thing that I did wonder is at the end of the episode when he start, there's, there's, he starts speaking to a creature on, and we don't actually see it, I was wondering if it would be, oh, what's the name of that blue guy? Oh, the, the, the administrator bloke. Yeah, the Mithril yeah. character, the one yeah. that he did his first bounty in the first episode. First I was one, yeah, I can't remember his name. I thought it might have been him, but then I then realised it can't be him because he's been with, he's been with them the whole time, so he wouldn't have been able to have put the track in Beacon um, on the race quest. Um, but yeah, we then continued the episode and we see that Navarro has been regenerate, renovated, kind of reinvigorated to, to become a a modern normal civilization and that, that that for me was the first thing that i was a bit uh, of this particular episode. i really enjoyed the episode but this this bit kind of stood out for me and i want to get your take on this guys because how long in advance or how far away is the mandalorian being from navarro for it to have gone from being a war-torn city to a place that's thriving market school justin what you know what do you think on that one mate Timing for me in Star Wars has always been hard. And it was especially hard in the sequel trilogy for me to, to say, like, how long something, how long you're gone and things like that. And, like, conventional physics of, like, time travel or th light, traveling at the speed of light works, but time's still passing in relative around it, right? And I, I just, I can never tell with some things unless they say, like, like, oh, the Battle of Endor, so I can kind of place it or some other event within it that I can kind of place it around. That's the only way I can establish time. So, yeah, I don't know. Dave, did you think that was a bit, was it a bit too short phrase? I don't know. Like, yeah. Weird one for me. Go on. 
Well, that's I suppose you you've got at the end of season one, but okay, by the end of season one, on Navarro, you you'll have had the the all of the other bounty hunters had been destroyed by the Mandalorians, other than Grief himself. All of the Mandalorians were then wiped out by the Empire, other than possibly the Armourer. She, she's, we don't know one way or the other whether she survived a hand-to-hand combat with the troopers. I, I might, she would have, she, she defeated the first lot, but whether she would have, whether they would have sent more after her, I don't know. So she's potentially still around. So you've you've got rid of two of the underworld elements that are on Navarro. Navarro. Um, you've then got pretty much all of the Imperials have been thrown out um, by what happened at the very end of season one. So, you, so you've almost lost all of the the various underworld illegal activity that that's associated with that planet. Um, but whether it could then, within the space of, what, a couple of months, maybe, to become a thriving city on the up, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that that's a long stretch. Mm. Ali, I mean, I'm sure you've got a contrary theory here. I mean, it can be if you get back all your off-world bounty hunters that weren't there for those two incidents you spoke about, Dave, and got them to patrol secretly. True. Well, Justin, yeah, and that's the other thing, right? Because she's, it, 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 we're led to believe that the Kara was the one who like cleaned it up, right? She's the now the marshal of the town. Yep. You know, so she had to have had at least a little bit of help, you would think. I was yeah. going to say because we we see that scene, don't we, where she takes out the group of yeah the opening. Yeah, absolutely. Faces uh, as they used to be known before the species got given a name. Um, Wal- Wal- walrus man. Walrus man, butt face, yeah. what you want to call him. What is uh, I can't man? remember the name of the species, but um, but yeah, so we know that they were they were taken out by the marshal. Ali, as that was mentioned, you pulled a bit of a face there, mate. What are your thoughts on Kara June being the marshal? No, I, I just yeah, I, it it was just your your point, the the incredulous nature you must have when presuming that one person can do all that just single-handedly the way it was it's just a bit ridiculous bit of a stretch it's a bit of a stretch in the time period it's a dave's point earlier Aquilish. brilliant thank you dave yeah i like that as well <laughs> yeah i mean the thing that i've kind of had seen this kind of topic with a few different conversations on facebook and twitter and stuff and someone pointed out it doesn't satisfy me, to be honest with you, but we know that he obviously left Navarro at the end of season one. There was a piece where he had to take Fish Lady, a uh, Frog Lady even, um, back to her planet, but couldn't use hyperspace. Therefore, it would take a longer period of time and this, that and the other. And I was a bit like, yeah, that's all true. But uh, for oh, we'll me, get that... time later. Well, uh, this is the first piece of time. Yeah, sure. I'm talking about the jetpack incident later in this episode. Jetpack incident? Go on. Well, we're jumping around here. So, I, but basically, do you remember when the Mandalorian leaves them behind in the middle of a battle to go get Baby Yoda out of school, get the Razor Crest, which, you know, looked like it had been quite a journey to get there, but roughly did it in about two minutes. (laughs) 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so that, no, when you said by unit of time, you have to like you do. I know you understand. You have to like suspend belief with regard to time perimeters and so on sometimes. But when you saw that, it was just like, huh? So what did he do? Did he rush in and say to the school teacher, "Very sorry, very sorry, Droid." Oh, I see. I'm ruining the next scene, aren't I? But you know, very sorry, <laughs> Droid. You're gonna have to stop telling him about the new Republic and in the old Republic because oh no, sorry. I'll just let you finish that point. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, you finished, Droid. Oh, there's more. Well, look, I need to take him. Is that okay? And then I've got to get him to Razorcrest and hope that it's been repaired because obviously it hasn't been repaired, but they've had enough time to repair it and put a tracker in it roughly in the hour and a half that he, or a few hours. And then that will fly, and then he'll find the exact time players and it will be fine. But that's not and really, that's the full that, show. That's so we don't really need to go on. I was going to say, that's a, complete, uh, that's, that's a complete episode review of uh, chapter 12, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us. Next week, we will be back at the same time. <laughs> But that's what I mean. Just but like, but like, there was a lot of it there where it was just like, uh, yeah, okay. But then there is so much good stuff in this episode as well. It's a weird one. It's a really weird episode for me. Go on, Justin. You you was gonna jump in there. Maybe he's like an intercontinental ballistic missile. They have to go flat on a speeder, but he can go up and down. (laughs) That's true. The planet could be rotating that quickly. I'm sorry, I forgot how he won't burn up in the atmosphere. Right. All it, best that, oh, no, he's armor. not. He's not. It's the Beskar armor, man. It'll, it'll save him from everything. Okay, now, man. that's another question and real quick Beskar. on the Beskar armor. I'm not certain he has an independent oxygen supply, though. Oh, that's a good point. Good point. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had a problem when he was in the pool of water last week. Good point. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Justin, your question on Beskar. He seems to take a lot of shots. Mm. Yeah. And I'm wondering at what point, what's he going to do? I mean, he's, I, that's why, I, number one, I think the armor is still alive because at some point they're going to have to repair that armor. And if we remember, Carl Weathers has Beskar. Mm. Still. True. And I don't think, I don't think he's gotten rid of it. Yeah, him. It's even in, if we jump back to chapter eleven, there's that scene where they're taking fire, and he just basically runs in with two thermal detonators or whatever they were, taking hit after hit after hit. Mm. And I'm like, okay, we know stormtroopers are bad shots, <laughs> but literally he's taking hits. Even when he takes it, nothing's getting through. Um, now I know we have to suspend disbelief, as we've already mentioned, but yeah. nevertheless, seeing it again in this episode, I'm like. They're always getting him on his shoulder. They're getting him on his chest. It's like, surely a blaster would find just a little bit of a gap. You'd imagine so. But anyway, if he died, it wouldn't be called the Mandalorian, let's be honest. Uh, It'd be called some other random name for a show. Live action rebels? Well, maybe that's next week. But let's get to that way, way, way further down (laughs) in the conversation. Um, So we know that they're going to a you know, a, um, a gentrified version of Navarro market stalls. Uh, and this is where I saw the, the statue of IG-11, which I mm. obviously, you know, mentioned that before, which I thought was fantastic. Um, and then they go into the school and we know that Baby Yoda, the child, I should say, sorry, gets chopped off because he's get, they're jumping off onto a, onto a mission. Now, before we get to that mission, can we just spend a couple of minutes talking about Baby Yoda? The child, whatever you want to call it. Now, in this particular, I thought this was quite, I thought it was quite cute um, how he's 
Carl Weathers has obviously taken the child. See, this is another reason why I don't think he's on the take and why he's a bad guy, Ali, just for your reference. The way he saw the child, he was quite endearing. Yes, it could be an act, but he was quite welcoming, wanted to give him a hug, wanted to look after him, blah, blah, blah. So I thought it was quite cute. Sat him down into the classroom. And this is where we get Baby Yoda, depending on where you're reading it, eating the blue Oreos or the blue macarons, depending on your point of view. And for me, I thought this was quite cute. And it's a really random way. For me, it reminded me of Anakin using the Force and he's with Padme on Naboo when he says, if Obi-Wan saw me doing this with the Force, he would kill me because effectively the child is using the Force to get his way, his food, and something that he wasn't going to get because he kind of looked, gave the kid the eyes and the kid said no. So I, I kind of, it was a very loose connection, let's be honest. But nevertheless, I thought the way he used the Force was quite, quite, um, quite cute. Dave, what do you think of this particular scene with the child and, and the blue macarons? And, uh, well, they're, they're definitely macarons for me. Definitely macarons. Maybe that's a, a, a vote that we need to do and see if we put that up as a poll and see if people... Now, can I just say, we have an American on the show. He would be the, the go-to man in this particular conversation. I, I, I do love an Oreo, but nevertheless... I do too, and I don't think they're Oreos. I don't think we need a poll. We've got a definitive answer. Okay. <laughs> I'm probably going to get Macarons some from somebody online, but I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just going to start getting some. Hey, no, they're Oreos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Oreo army is coming for me now. <laughs> Hashtag Oreo, Oreo Gates uh, to make sure. But no, Dave, did you? What do you think about that particular scene? Well, uh, this goes back to the idea that we're talking about the Mandalorian and his morality. Um, if his morality is slightly questionable and he is now the father figure for the, the, the child, is the child's morality um, being um, swayed towards the dark side? Um, is But then, I, I, he's, he's a child. He's a, he's a very young child. I mean, depend, it depend upon... We've, we've dis- I think we've discussed this before. Is he a child? He, he, he's at the point where he can walk not very fast, but he can walk. But he's not yet at the position where he can talk. So, so, so that puts him at toddler age for us, doesn't it? And if you have a look at a lot of toddlers, they tend to be cheeky. They tend to try and snatch food if there's food lying around. And, uh, we already know he'll stick anything he sees in his mouth. Um, and he needs to be told... Um, as, as we saw the Mando do last week, behave yourself, and you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I, I, he may not yet know wrong from right. And, and I'm, I'm giving him a, a get-out-of-jail card there for now. I, I think he's too young to know right from wrong. You're giving him the benefit of the doubt at the moment. Yeah. Ali, you're shaking your head, but before I ask you your take, Justin, you, you were just saying there, mate. Sorry, I'll buy it then. No, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Well, it seems that that's kind of what they're doing with his story this whole time. It's it's him learning the what's right and what's wrong. And I yeah. understand that maybe Ali's point is that he's 50, so he's an old man or he's older. He's there's something to that, that guy. We'll no, split here. Not either of those. No, neither of those? Okay. No. So for me, I, I just think that that's what they've been writing their his story as. They've been showing you, you know, at first he was eating eggs rampantly. And as as much to Dave's point, you know, he was told, you, you, you know, you behave yourself, you know. So 
he it is it's lone wolf and cub right like if you're if you're gonna go back to like you know really old old stories and stuff like that so it's him learning his way in the world and you're right to a degree we will see whether you know the mando's neutral good what effect that has on his learning throughout and i think that's what that story will be ali alex get your pen out get your piece of paper out <laughs> your list objections okay okay get your piece of paper out. we've learned something really important this episode and this is not me alex you know paul bateman this is his theory yep. not mine Okay. What we learned was that too many, too many blue Oreos make you puke. That's what we learned. We did learn that. We did learn that. But we need to talk about we need to talk about Baby Yoda, because it becomes pretty clear to us he is definitely a clone of Yoda. He's fifty years old, but is his DNA fifty years old? He, if you think about fifty years before, we're talking Camino here. We're talking when the clones were created. Clones, age process accelerated. Mm -hmm. Baby Yoda's age process Delayed. accelerated. Well, you, you, because we now age. know that he was, he was used by them. And we know the Emperor because we know, we now know that the Emperor was thinking about what was going to happen to him in his future from a very early age in terms of how was he going to live on forever, right? We know that experiments are happening and we know that they thought that this was a garrison. Turned out it was an experiment. I have some theories about that later. This child has been tested on for a very long time. His entire reason for living is his midichlorians in his blood. The way you get the maximum out of that, decelerate his aging process. That's how you do it. You keep him, you keep him young, regenerating his cells at the maximum level for as long as you can. So you keep draining him, you keep trying your experiments, and you keep doing that. I think what you're going to find is, is that we've all been right from the beginning, and we, we all speculated on this last year that this was baby yoda that's how he got its nickname and at the time people were trying to work out where did they get the dna from how did that work well we know that the the council went and checked out camino after everyone come back so it wouldn't be too difficult to find that yoda was there and they took some of his dna and that's when it started he's All too he old for that was change his he's, he's too old for that. His, his birthday is closer to anakin's birthday 10 years 20 years before the clone wars who? Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda is like, if you think about this, again, this is going back to the concept of time. And if it is 50 years the way normal 50 years, um, this, sorry, is sorry, five, the this is the bounty has been on him for 50 years. So he's older than that. I don't, I I thought, don't know. That. Because no, they gave the, 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 the puck. It's an outstanding bounty of 50 years. Not I, the child no, is 50 years old. No, 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 no. In the first episode, Carl Weather says to him, you're looking for a 50-year-old. That's what I thought. Did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, you're looking for a 50-year-old. Um, not and that the eleven. I need to have a look at that one again, because I, I thought he said that the, the, the bounty's been outstanding for 50 years. Uh, the bounty's 50 years old, not the bounty is 50 years old. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but don't forget, when, when I'm talking about the Clone Wars time, when we see them in episode two as it is now... They've already had that project up and going for we don't know how many years. Since because they've already been going. So the timeline does fit. It's 10 years before episode. So it's he's, yeah, so you're right. Like, baby, so you're right. Yoda's, Yoda's DNA could not have been procured during a visit there, but they may have got it some other way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Senator Park, you're right. In terms of time, I'm not right. You're absolutely right. But it doesn't yeah. stop. 
I mean, arguably, because it was Sifo Diaz that went and did the whole clone piece, being a Jedi, he's in the Jedi Council, he could have nabbed the hair off of Yoda, I don't know how, but anyway, he could have done, I suppose. And Dooku uh, as well. Yeah. Dooku was his apprentice, right? Dooku yeah. was Yoda's apprentice. I think there's a million different ways they could they could easily explain getting DNA. You know what I mean? Considering how long Yoda lived. My thing is, is I don't necessarily know they decelerated the age. One, if you can clone one, you can clone another. Yeah. Two, like, you already know that, like, Yoda's species lives for, like, a couple centuries, isn't it? Like, wasn't Yoda, like, 3,000 years old or something? Yeah, it, was, like? it was 900. 900. He was died. 900 when he died, yeah, yeah. He lives a real long time. I mean, would you really need to decelerate his age? I mean, the other thing would be if you decelerate well, you DNA, that, no, but does it not, would that not actually influence the DNA? Because if you're adding a chemical component to stop something aging, are you not influencing its well, DNA that's, and therefore, that's, I that's, I'm not a scientist, right? But you'd switch off the gene or you'd retard the gene that, that controls aging. And, and Yoda's species already has that retarded gene that slows down aging so yeah so i guess he already has in built into his into his dna a growth or an age inhibitor a, 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 something that slows down his aging because yeah. what they introduced into the clones would, would be a tweak to their dna which would switch on an yeah. accelerated aging yeah Whereas, so yeah, we, with we the were discussing last week, that. Dave. So, sorry, it's just because you weren't on the podcast. Yeah. Dave and I were discussing the fact that there is this weird thing that, you know, Yoda's starting to teach Jedi by 100. And so yes. this kid has provided like a very, very juvenile at 50. So he either has to have a hugely accelerated 50 to 100 or something's not right there. I have a theory Yoda, on that. Yoda was uh, instructing people at 100. Is that what he said? Yeah. Okay. I wasn't aware of that. That's and so that's what I mean. It seems like a huge leap that this baby. But, but, but you're, judging that on, you, you're judging that on human. You're saying, well, if if you look at a human's age, the toddler period takes you to about two and a half. But if you were to double that to five, there's no way a five-year-old is then going to be teaching children. But you, you're judging that upon humans. It could I liked be. Dave that, last week, you didn't argue with me about this. Well, I, I, I did. I did. I did. To be yeah. fair. Um, you, you could have a, a species that for the first 50 years is a very slow growth and it is very slow because possibly as as a as a species maybe the species is in tune with the force and maybe a lot of that early development is all linked to to, to bonding with the force and what have you i have a theory oh, so my theory is that is baby Yoda the child 50? No, I don't think he is. If you think about it, he's he, if we go by Yoda teaching Jedi how to use the force at the age of 100, right? He's got a lot of making up to do. If that was to your point, Dave, if you're thinking about it, literally human double age, blah, blah, blah. My theory is that he is 50, but he was either in stasis for a period of time because if he's a clone he might have spent time in a tube he might have spent time not actually living per se he was maybe then and I, i'm going to use the winter soldier reference here in the winter soldier he was brought out of stasis 
only when he was needed to go and kill someone, he was then brought back and brought back into stasis once that was done. It could be the same with, with the child, right? He's in stasis or in carbon freezing, whatever. He then gets thawed out. A load of blood gets taken from him and they shove him back in the fridge again. <laughs> you know, I don't. So my my kind of thing is, is he 50? Technically, yes. But if he's been put in stasis or hibernation or whatever, he would not have aged to the age of a 50 year old. But he is still 50 years old, technically. If, like does that, that make sense? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. yeah. Put that down on my book. I can steal that theory as well. No, no, no. That's <laughs> mine. <laughs> You've already nicked Paul Bateman. You're not nicking mine as well. <laughs> um, mine. <laughs> anyway, I think it's really, it's really important that we think about the child because the two people who we saw... I'm sorry, we are jumping around here. But the two people we saw smash up the control panel had that insignia on them again, which was the cloners. I definitely think that cloning has a lot to do with it because of what we saw at the end of the episode. You know what I mean? And and much to what you know Dave said in chat of it being you know dark troopers. You know. I mean, cl- clones were part of this since the first episode. Was it the first yeah. episode where you yeah. know there was something going on because he had that Camino emblem on his arm? Yeah. We knew that straight away. We just didn't know how far the cloning process has gone. Whereas this does drive home. Cloning is something that the Empire were doing, whether that be for Palpatine, who knows, or whether that just be to see if they can recreate the Force. Well, and as we know, we do know, because we've seen the sequel trilogy, and we've seen the Rise of Skywalker. So we know that Project Resurrection is a thing. And we also know that they rushed that episode of The Mandalorian from its usual position on Friday to earlier in the week, so that we saw Baby Yoda healing just before we saw Ray Hap doing it the next episode, if you remember. Oh, so yeah. So they, they moved the time, they moved not like the time, but they moved the physical episode forward to bring that thing in and show that wasn't. link between, yeah, yeah. to show that link between Baby Yoda and the sequel trilogy. And that was when we first started talking about, okay, he's the key to bringing back Palpatine. Yes. Right. And I, I think it's good that you brought that up. I think that I meant to say this earlier when we were talking about whether Carl Weathers is on the take. And I'm going to say no, because Baby Yoda saved him in season one. And I think he has kind of a semi sort of life debt to the man, to the kid at this point. That's he's like the kid's godfather at this point. He's not going to give that kid up. No oh, way, Justin. A- Even if I had a life debt to you, I'd, I'd definitely have you killed off for a few hundred. <laughs> we, we, I definitely don't ever want you to owe me anything, please. <laughs> don't worry. No loyalty over here. Don't worry. Just a, I was, that wasn't even a significant amount of money. That was only just a couple of hundred. And, oh, if, no. you meant, <laughs> and, it, and, and if you meant dollars, that's even worse. What currency? I was going to say the exchange rate is terrible. Last time we were on it, we were he was talking about shooting people out of the sky simply because <laughs> well, we know we know he has oh. imperial tendencies. Yeah, Alex, don't worry, Justin. Justin. At heart, I'm a good administrator of a town that's only been going for two months. Hey, people can change. <laughs> but question for you, Ali, Ali. You notice that when just before they stepped into the school, they were talking about how the how the new republic is trying to tame yeah. the you know outer rim, and he said you know nobody's been able yeah. to do that, right? Yeah. 
So you do sort of have a lawless area where their influence isn't necessarily universally recognized. So do they have the right to just necessarily shoot anybody out of the sky? I don't necessarily think so. I don't know. Not to get political, Justin, but we could ask several U.S. presidents that question. You absolutely (laughs) could. Uh, although your your point there about the republic is actually quite an interesting. And, and British prime ministers, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to take this away from politics. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we yeah. if we fa- if we fast forward to the end of the episode, and I know we've missed out a chunk, but you've got the X-Men pilot questioning Grief Cargo, what happened, why was you there? And and you're like, well, if the if the Republic have not tamed or controlling that area. Why doesn't he just say, tell the guy to get lost? He's like, I'm the administrator of this town. Do one. I mean, he kind of does when he tells him that the droid's so old it can't tell what shit oh, yeah, now. And he doesn't outright tell him the truth. Well, he, 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 a lot. he lies, doesn't he? Which is why um, the, 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 the green skin guy looks at him as if to say, you just told a lie. Yeah, yeah. It's but I just thought it's a right, weird... Dave. Okay. <laughs> this just shows that he will betray everyone. Um, no, so <laughs> thanks. Let's go for He's very loyal. Poor Carl Weathers. His his so, loyalty is to his friends. <laughs> yeah. The, well, it's it, yeah. I'm going to take you back to the story. So the, we know that the child is dropped off in the classroom. Now we then see basically we see three PO. Uh, let's be honest. Um, and what was something that I read, and this is completely tongue-in-cheek, I'm sure of it, but a post that I saw online was, when Anakin made 3PO, was it basically like a home kit droid making? Because the way that he builds 3PO, when we see him in The Phantom Menace, he's obviously all wires, there's no casing. It's just a standard protocol droid. And then we then see the same protocol droid type throughout the galaxy for years to come so when anakin and this is completely deviating from the story but so when anakin built freepio is that basically a home droid kit i i i yeah um i saw something about that it's anakin basically because of um his owner's like role managing looking at owning a a a scrap yard watto right yeah watto because, yeah. because of Watto's position in a scrapyard, Anakin had managed to get hold of the bits required to build a protocol droid. So, so Anakin as a child only rebuilt a droid that already existed. Getcha. Rather than creating a brand new droid from scratch. Right, it's like finding an old hot rod. He found a frame yes. and he put the innards in it. Yes, yes. So he probably uh, like scavenged a brain, scavenged a torso, which uh, is why he wasn't covered because he yeah. wasn't building. He didn't it. have the shell. He didn't have a shell for it yet. Yeah. Oh, he was naked. As uh, yes. I think it was, it was Arthur, wasn't he? he said, "Oh, what do, you mean I'm, uh, what do you mean I'm naked?" Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, moving on, <laughs> moving off from that tidbit. Going um, back, to Mandalorian. Going back to the story. Yeah, they go on their mission. So the mission was initially to go and. Was it? Was it takeover? It wasn't takeover, was it? It was, it was to destroy, to, 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 re- to remove the the, yeah. the remains of the empire on the planet. And they thought it was uh, what do you call it? A skeleton crew was the phrase, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, which then makes you think, oh, a couple of people here, a couple of people there, and it turns out completely wrong. Uh, there's a hell of a lot more stormtroopers and presence in this particular base. Um, and before we get to that, 
They're in a speeder, which looks very familiar. Anyone else get tingles of Luke's speeder from A New Hope in that scene? Yep. Same yeah. Yeah, I, I must admit, when it, when, it, when it was on, I was like, oh, okay. You know these guys are doing their homework. I mean, we've said this in pre- all the kind of previous episodes. There's these nods, Easter eggs, whatever you want to call them, uh, to, to the original trilogy. And, and there's another one right there, blatantly obvious that they're, they're taking that inspiration from Luke's speeder um, at that point in time as well. So then... They get to the front of the of the or the base of the base base of the base. Yeah, that is right. Um, and try to make their way in. And obviously, the Mando flies up, takes out a couple of stormtroopers. Um, the other thing that kind of made me laugh in this particular scene and was um, the reference to uh, the Mithril. I don't even know what the guy's name is. The the blue guy. He's wearing a moist. Was it a moisture suit? They called it. Yes. Yes. Because I, I was like type creature yeah that's it he's 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 at what aqua for want of a better word uh, he's an aqua creature is that right um yeah. aqua man <laughs> um but I, I just thought that was fantastic because the the stupid in me if it had just been walking around in a pair of trousers and a jumper i'd be like oh yeah that's really funny but then to for them to actually say a moisture suit makes a hell of a lot of sense um again it's these little details that they're, they're kind of picking up throughout the story and then before we jump into any of the taking over of the uh of the base ali have i missed any of your controversial opinions in that point of time let me just look through my list here (laughs) (laughs) that means that's a yes no no don't don't worry it's still there we're we're on track all right stay on target all right right, we're on target outstanding um they didn't get in this lift up they go um Oh, and I've got one thing to say to you, Alex, just because you've been talking about beats and things, right? Go on, Do you know where they got the X-Wing from in the last episode? Which X-Wings? There was no X-Wings until well, the end. Yeah, but do, so, or was it the episode before? But anyway, was it the episode before? I'm trying to lose the track. The, the, one with the, the one with the spiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know where they got the X-Wing from for that? Income, I think. It's sitting in a Disney park right now. Oh, what, the one at Galaxy's Edge? It was on the route. They got it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So you were just talking about tie-ins and that. Because when you brought up speeders, of course, there's loads yeah, yeah. of different types in Galaxy's Edge. So we know there they're made yeah, into right. Batu. So that's why I just kind of thought I would just bring those little two links into to your point there about how we have since not Luke's what speeder, but a different one in Batu. We saw it together a year ago. So, um, oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, just before I bring that in. And Alex, I looked it up. You're right. It's Mithril is the, the, is the name of the, the, the blue skinned guy. Is that his name or is that his species? It's his name. It, that's on Wikipedia. It says Mithril. M Y T H R O L. That's just okay. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't know if that was his. I've seen it mentioned as Mithril. I just thought that was his species, but nevertheless, let's let's roll with that for now. I was right. Makes change. Oh no, that's Ali to make change. Oh, I guess they do say it is the name of the species, but I guess they don't have a name for him. The myth. So, the so myth. it turns out wrong, Alex. <laughs> well, I was right as his species, so you know yeah. he was right. I was wrong. I was right from a that's certain a quicker point reaction of view. than I do. No, I was right from a certain point of view. The wrong one. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Um, so then they go so up into the up lift. The elevator. They go up the lift, elevator. Um, is this where they first come across? No, there's no stormtroopers at this point in time. 
I don't know. There was two on the lap. There was two, and I think they take them out, and then they make their way in. Um, is this? I'm just trying to remember because my my memory of this is a bit blurred. Is this where they first see the chambers of the clones, or is that a little bit further down? No, it's a little bit, little bit later. So, so when they they first get up to the landing pad, there's the troop transporter there, right? And then they right. get through. Great callback. Fantastic. And then they break through the doorway into the base, and you've got the hangar for the jet for the speeder bikes. That's they it. Get, yeah, they get all the way to the sabotage pretty much, and after before they before they encounter yes. anybody. They, yeah, they, so they, they, they've switched a reactor to explode. Right. Yeah, so this, this is another thing that I thought was fantastic when they got to the reactor. Um, for those of you that have seen Robot Chicken will be familiar <laughs> with this. There is, is it, It's not a direct quote, but it's pretty much a nod, pretty isn't close. it, Justin? Yeah. yeah, so there's a scene in Robot Chicken where they make a comment that there's no handrails on anything. And then, of course, we know Mithril says exactly the same thing. And when I, I literally thought that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, another nod, not to the Star Wars universe canon, but to the wider fan base, I think. And that, for me, that was that was a great a great takeaway. Justin, you clearly felt the same. Oh, yeah. I used to love Robot Chicken and watching Robot Chicken. Um, so, yeah, I definitely caught that. And I really liked how he was just... I mean, who wouldn't be scared? I mean, there's literally no railing and there's liquid hot lava down at the bottom of a, of a long pit. Like, who in the... And why Why on earth would the panel be around the, the back <laughs> yeah. of it? What masochist engineer made that up? <laughs> well, it's like when you think of In the Force Awakens, right? Um, when right. Ben... Ben and Han meet out on this massively long platform that's really thin and has no handrails. Like, come on! Who's the who's the who's the engineer that I mean, built this thing? That stuff in factories and stuff, and I, you know, and they are on a base that's a you know, and they are in an industrial section of it. I'll give them that. But like in the Death Star and stuff, it's like no engineer would do that from a safety perspective. It doesn't. Well, make may, maybe the Empire works on survival of the fittest. They definitely they, do. They, they weed out. They weed out. Interesting. There's no shields. There, there's no uh, hyper engine and, sh and shields on a TIE fighter, right? No, they there's for speed, right, right? So that's a good uh, point. Also, going back, when you were saying, my question is this, too, going back, when they pull up at the door, they obviously know it's in some sort of lava canal. Yeah. How is that an, ac an adequate place for you to park your speeder? Knowing that, like, that could be a possibility. And then, like, the door's shot. So, like, it's like, okay, I mean, I guess it was a reason to use the jetpack. And the other thing for me would be, if that's where the lava comes in and there's a lava lake, why is there a door? Why have a doorway? Yes. Why, why, why is the door at the bottom? Like, <laughs> you go out at I mean, the wrong time and you cook. <laughs> could you imagine that? Oh, we're in high tide. I'm just going to go for a stroll. Whoops. <laughs> So, yeah, I found that a little – I couldn't quite understand that. And I thought when they – now, I, for one, thought, okay, what they're going to do is is once this thing explodes, we're going to basically have Indiana Jones but with lava and a speeder. Obviously, that's not quite that what we so got. Cool. But that's what I thought was going to happen when I first – when they, when she was like, okay, well, when the lava comes in, we'll toss you down a rope. I was like, oh. Yeah, and how exactly do they know when the lava's coming in? It's like, is there, is there a, is it a, a, the rotation Tidal. of the moon, like a tide? You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So maybe it's like Old Faithful, you know, like in, in Yellowstone, and they know exactly when it's going to erupt. <laughs> yeah, they've got like little um, markers every so often just to kind of measure the lava flow. So yes, anyway, back to the story. They completely put this thing in self-destruct mode. Right. Uh, Ali, any? Can we talk about the Imperials at this point? Which one? Go on then. To the point Alex made about the fact that there is a lot of them. And at this point, we can no longer say that this is just a fringe group controlled by a moth of belief. There's something bigger in this now. Because we've now seen them all over the place. We, we see the ship indeed later. But the fact is that there is, this is not just the sort of when we first saw season one. It looked like there might be a few stray troopers supporting a certain thing. This is now going way beyond that. This this is now talking about a pre-planned plan from the the Empire, indeed, as to what would happen in the event of his death, because this is far too sophisticated and far too um, organised to be anything else. These are not people that just believe they're getting paid, they're getting all of their lives threatened or whatever. This this is no longer just just believers. And that's yeah, what I just wanted to point out, because until we'd, saw, we'd obviously been going in that direction, that was the way traffic was moving anyway. But seeing the number of people on this base where somehow people thought there was a skeleton crew just shows you they've either been there a long way because obviously they're not being transported in and out because people would notice that. And, yep. Unless, of course, Grief Karga is a liar and he knows all about that and doesn't want to admit it. That's also possible. But it just shows you that this is a highly organised unit. And I just think that's worth like bringing up as, as a point. Yeah, and just to kind of expand on that, you know, you touched on it earlier that we know at the end of we know at the end of the, mo- of the movie, we know at the end of the of the show, there is the massive Star Destroyer. Um, so. That Star Destroyer was kind of leaked a few weeks ago on a Topps trading card for Mandalorian, mm-hmm. um, if you weren't aware. So there is a Topps trading card, I think it is, that has the Mandalorian. Like, it's, but it's not an, M- an Empire Imperial Star Destroyer. It's one that was from the Clone Wars. So when you look I at, thought it was from the shape. Yeah, when you look at the shape and the styling, it's more of the ones that Anakin and Obi-Wan yeah. were in rather than what Darth Vader used to drive. Yeah, drive. But anyway, it's so it's a bit of a throwback, um, you know, Windows down system up. Uh, <clears throat> but effectively, it's a different Star Destroyer, which begs the question of where did that come from? Um, where, of course, did the rest of them come from? Because that's that's a big old ship. There's a big garrison. Uh, we know there was a ton of Imperials when at the end of season one. So therefore, to your point, Ali, it begs the question of. We knew that there were remnants of the Empire. Uh, remnants being kind of the way it's been described in the past, but this isn't this isn't a remnant. This is a this is like a whole division of people. Um, but, this is a huge but, amount, go on, Dave. But you, you, you I guess you jump forward more twenty five years from now, you've got the entire first order. So ignore the final order, just the first order. <laughs> the first order is already a substantial military force born out of the empire wasn't it yes so the the this could eventually move into that or they could become the final order with palpatine i mean they could go either well, way i think okay stand by oh here we go alert. get your go pen on, out again alex get your go pen. On, then. Yeah, i've got mine 
we know <laughs> that Exegol, on Exegol, they successfully worked out the cloning process. We saw there were many Snokes, yep. many Snokes in tubes. We saw that the Empire was in something that was like his original body. We don't know if before that body, he was in other bodies that didn't look like the Empire Emperor. We don't know that, right? But we know they, they definitely cracked it on Exegol, right? What we don't know is how many other planets did he set up facilities to try and get this to work. That's what we don't know. So there could be multiple people. And this is where you, right, I can, I think you'll be with me so far and I'm about to lose you with this huge right or left turn, depending on where you're looking at me point of view. And I don't blame you for that. I'm going to lose you. Do you remember where I said, Moff Gideon, I think he's force sensitive. He was either like a Jedi or something that he became that. I think his end game for this is to crack it. And he knows Palpatine's alive and he wants to be his apprentice. I think that's what his end game is to get out of this. So hold on. Um, I'm drawing a blank. I don't ever remember you saying that Moff Gideon has been a Jedi. It's on our last podcast. Did I he did. He mentioned it. He mentioned I, I Okay. So my, my argument was different to this one. You see, I think that Moff Gideon is more likely ISB as a background, which mm -hmm. is why he has access to high tech, such as Death Troopers, mm -hmm. which is why he's got the latest um, TIE Fighter that we saw, the one that, that opened out, which we've subsequently seen um, in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think that's that's how he's got access and, and risen through the ranks. I think he is ex-ISB, that's his route to power. He's ultimately become a, a, a moth. Um, I, I, it always feels a bit strange when I say he's become a moth. It's almost like, yes, he's he's come out of... He was a caterpillar stage, and he's now a full moth. Um, <laughs> he's, he's come out of chrysalis to bluff. Can't believe he's got back to yeah. two weeks in a row, Dave. Um, so I, I think he's ISB, or, or ISB. Um, I, and I think he got the dark saber because he was part of the sacking of Mandalore. Um, and he led the forces that sacked Mandalore. And as we saw in Rebels, um, the Imperial officers that, that are involved in such suppression of races tend to take trophies um, to, to show. Mm -hmm. And I think that was his trophy. His trophy was the Darksaber. Um, I don't think he's Force-sensitive. Two well, things. That, that doesn't mean is, he's, Dave, he's, let me come in here. Well, I'm saying, it doesn't mean he's not aspiring to be. It, it doesn't mean he's not aspiring to be, but no. I don't think he is. Okay, two things. Number one, right? And this makes it even more, I think, that way. So I last week suggested that he may have been a Jedi child, just mm -hmm. like um, Kanan. But he was found and groomed in such a way, perhaps to become an inquisitor of some form or something like that. But he he or, or he was used for a different thing. Now, the fact that he's on a very different type of vessel doesn't mean that that couldn't be a possibility. But in this episode, we did see that certain experiments of transfusion were going on. Mm. And I think and like, I don't know if I'm skipping too far ahead here now, but. I think he might be testing out on other people so he can transfuse that blood into himself and give himself some force abilities. Well, that's what I said. I, I, I'm not saying that he doesn't aspire to become a Jedi or force sensitive. 
But I'm, I don't not, think I'm not saying was. the other theory is not true, though. I'm saying it could be either. But I still think he. I think ultimately his goal, or he already is, which is why he has the dark saber and understands where it came from, is that he was he he's got a huge interest in the force. So, because again, he didn't just we... he didn't he, you know he got that somehow and he knew what it was. If we, well, that links if, back to the ISB. The ISB have access yeah. to, to, to technology, but also information. Well, that, that well, that's certainly a view, Dave, and it's possible. <laughs> but so's I think, mine. <laughs> I think when when you when you think about Moff Gideon again, if we're thinking about time, he looks like he's in his fifties, right? Yeah. So let's just assume, and to, to become a Moff in the Empire, he would have had to have worked his way up for a few years to get to that particular rank. So let's say that takes 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. That's at the time of when the Clone Wars begun. Not, not necessarily. It's just like Vader turns into a Sith Lord the day afterwards and he's a lot younger than that. But he, he could be like what his abilities are and what the plan is for him. I was going to say, you can't compare Mo- Moff Gideon you can, to Vader. But if he was Force-sensitive as a Jedi child, you can compare it in terms of, I want to groom him in a certain way and accelerate that process. I, I, I position him more like a, a Moff Tarkin. In yeah, that's that where I was going. Yeah, he, yeah. he was military, potentially... Potentially, he was involved in the Clone Wars, but on, on the side of the, the Republic at the time. When the Empire then takes over... Um, as we saw with Admiral Yularen, Admiral Yularen was originally um, part of the Navy and was part of the Republic. But then we saw him 20 years later. He was on board the Death Star 1. Um, he was the guy that we saw in the white uniform. He had moved into ISB, um, which was also supported within the Thrawn novels, um, where we saw Yularen was was to some extent a an, an advocate of Thrawn and, and where Thrawn was going with his career. So you, you know that there is officers who, due to capability, not necessarily politics, but down to just pure capability, would progress through the ranks and, and manage to succeed. Add that into the fact that perhaps looking at the way Moff, Moff Gideon is, he is more opportunistic and callous and and more prepared to grab what's out there um, rather than, than, than progress because of capability. I'm, I'm not saying he's not capable, but I think he also has the ambition and the drive to be something. There's no reason why he couldn't have transitioned from initially being a Republic officer of some form or other into the new imperial structure. And because of his ambition and his capability, he's managed to rise through the ranks, potentially through an ISB route. I'm still going down that route. That, that That's possibly the best route for him to gain the knowledge and the information and access to, to assets such as the, the death troopers that we saw at the end of, epi- of season one. So, so for me, I, I think that was that's been his route to power. Justin, are you going to agree with that? Um, yeah, I agree with a lot of that, and, and we've we've gone over quite a bit. And I was writing some stuff down, so I kind of want to go back. I think I think this is a great line of conversation because I think you guys are right. Yes, there's something going on bigger overall, and they basically, it, I mean, the the X-wing pilot at the end basically is the one who says to Kara, he says, there's something else going on out here, you know, so they confirmed that as much, you know what I mean? So there's that. And then like, 
my question is is when does Jakku happen in relation to this? The, the Battle, Battle of Jakku. What's that? I was going to say... Come on, Dave. No, I was going to say, you mean the Battle of Jakku? Yeah. Because that's the Four last years before of the Empire, right? That, that's at the end yeah. of Battle... Is it, is it Battlefront? It's, it's in the game. Yeah, it's at the end. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, it's about... It's in between five to ten years before... The Force Awakens, if Force Awakens correct. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, in terms of, like, this is supposed to be right after Return of the Jedi to an extent, you know, a couple years, Five right? years. Five years. So, I mean, and the Empire was vast and huge. And, and in the EU novels, you know, the Empire has a vault, a hidden vault here, a hidden vault here, a hidden vault here, spread throughout the galaxy. So... And in those books, that's exactly what happened. It splintered the Empire and factions were created and those factions took their own people and created their own structures and maintained the Empire. And overarching in all of that was always that they all continue to be loyal to the Imperial and Empire way of doing things. So I, 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 I reject that Gideon is any sort of force sensitive or that he's trying to make himself force sensitive. I think ultimately what he's trying to do is rebuild the Empire and bring Palpatine back for the glory of the Empire. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because even in uh, Battlefront, the video game, they talk about that as well. And in what's the Chuck Wendig books? Um, Aftermath. After, Aftermath. After, they, yeah, yeah, I haven't they, finished they talk, quite yet. It's also covered off in Alphabet Squadron as well. Exactly. Yeah. So there's, there's repositories around the galaxy yeah. that the Empire have. So there are pockets of resistance for want of a better word, who want right. to maintain order, continue the path of, of the Empire, um, which I think that will come to fruition and slightly more evident in a couple of more episodes, I think, because we're obviously getting our feet wet in that respect in this particular episode um, and taking it back to the story. Well, real quick, <laughs> I have one last question about Gideon. That I, maybe they answered this and you guys can tell me. Was he Moth at the time of the Siege of Mandalore? We don't know. We don't know. It's, it's I'm wondering said. if he wasn't made a moth after the Siege of Mandalore. Because of his success. Right. Well, if he was ISB, I could very much see him being integral into this, into taking Mandalore and then being promoted because of that action. Because yep. that seems to be how the Emperor works, right, with his promotions. Anytime they do something that significantly advances the Empire, that's when you get recognized. Unless, yeah. of course, you're Thrawn and they want, he wants access to the Chiss Ascendancy. And that's a whole other... That's a whole other podcast. Whole other podcast. I, I just feel so sorry for you guys when you realise what the end game is for this. <laughs> I genuinely feel so sorry. I'm much like the other things. I'm going to write you the end game of this right now, and you're going to okay. hate it. But it's what's happened. We know who the big good is. The big good in this is the Mandalorian, right? The big bad is Moff Gideon. You did. You so you said that you weren't certain he was good. You claimed I he don't was think he is good. He's an anti-hero, Dave. Doesn't mean he's not good. Now, but but in that, so basically. You know what's going to happen with that dark saber, right? You know where this is going. Go Katie Sackoff's going to get it back. No, he's not. The Mandalorian's going to have it, and he's going to bring Mandalore back together. He's going to no, rule Mandalore. No, he's not Mandalorian. The, the no, ma exactly. That's just it. Doesn't the matter. Mando is a foundling. He's not yeah, born but, on Mandalore. He's he has then. no she's ties to Mandalore. He reckons Mandalore is a dead planet. No, Dave, he, this is where it's going. It's going to be a battle between the two, the good and the bad. It always is in Star Wars. It will be Moff Gideon versus the Mandalorian for Mandalore. That's where this, no. this is going with that arc. 100% no. 
Alex, put that down as this episode thing, and I will accept your humble pie in roughly a year and a half, two years' yeah. time. <laughs> well, we have we have it we have it on tape, so we have the evidence. So the we know that is, Ali- we, have, we have so much on tape. But I say so much, I forget what I said. <laughs> half of it's wrong anyway, so it doesn't really everybody matter. On, everybody well, on Twitter. Going, it's going. Remember. He's going to get that dark saber, go back to Mandalore, and they're going to be like, "Wow, I found him." Rules be, be, Mandalore. Be, before we we move on. Um, and this was something that I mentioned on our, our private chat, WhatsApp chat. For those of you who've played computer games for a few years now, for me, this episode was I, uh, um, Jedi Outcast. Um, it, it, the, the premise of Jedi Outcast is that Cal Katan, who um, Justin has mentioned he would love to see pop up in in uh, this show, and who I I suggested that um, Cobb actually looked like when when we first saw him take the helmet off. I was I was so struck by the way that Katan was always um, um, described and and drawn and, and what have you. Um, but then this episode was just so aligned to that, that the idea that Cal Katarn was, was sent out by Luke at the time. So he, he was affiliated to the new Jedis that were coming in. He was force sensitive. And so that's, that's a very different slant, but he was sent out to this remnant base that was, that had a skeleton staff um, to, to basically infiltrate it and destroy it. And it turns out that, there was clandestine operations happening there, that there was a significant amount of Empire infrastructure uh, at the base, and they were growing growing clones, specifically Force-sensitive clones. So we wonder where they got the influence for this particular episode it's from. It's not then. the first time in this series they've been borrowing stuff from computer games, Dave. So it, no, no. no and all, I don't know all, much all about the games. It could very much be true. And it's it's nice that they're, they're, they're pulling in these things. Um, it's nice nods to the fans who have suggested that it was a mistake by Disney to, to discard the EU. Dare we say but, it's the influence of Dave Filoni because we know He's the one that brought Thrawn into yep. Rebels, which yep. has then expanded the character massively. He's continued Ahsoka's journey in Rebels and what we expect to happen in next week's episode. Um, yep. <clears throat> so we know the influence of Dave Filoni is he's taking elements of other work. I mean, even we spoke about this for The Rise of Skywalker. There are elements of Dark Empire in that movie. So they've, they've clearly realized that necessarily just wipe the slate clean, but pick the good bits depending on your point of view. Um, the, the difference is in The Mandalorian, it's being done very well. Whereas where we'd seen it happen on the big screen, it was a little bit iffy. touch and go sometimes. Bit iffy, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's me getting angry, so you didn't have to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to the bit in this particular episode anyway, which grabbed my attention was the, from the rest of the episode, effectively, because I thought the first bit, it kind of laboured a little bit. Um, but then mm. they obviously put this uh, lava pit on self-destruct mode, and then all hell breaks loose. We have gun battles, we have action, we have people yeah, ducking for guy. cover. 
we have the unnecessary extra um, on the right hand side. Um, but this is this was really good action sequencing for me. I think the the the, the kind of last 10-15 minutes of the episode kind of brought my attention even more. So uh, a couple of gun battles, and then there I ask Ali. This is where we get to your point that you mentioned earlier on about the jetpack. We know that the Mandalorian leaves the base because he needs to get back to the child. He needs to get reinforcements, whatever the idea was going to be. Um, and then, therefore, we know that time stood still for everyone else apart from him. <laughs> and he could then fly home. Um, but effectively, that's where the battle continued. And we saw grief and Cara Dune basically kicking some Imperials. But then this is where we saw that message from Dr. Pershing. I think that was his name. Mm-hmm. Pershing. Pershing. Brilliant. Got it right. Um, and anyone else get goosebumps when they saw him pop up on the screen screen again? Because we, we know, as we touched on earlier on, he was in the first episode maybe the last episode as well. We know he was in there. We know he's talking about clones. And then that particular message with Moff Gideon as well. Guys, Dave, what was your thought when you've heard that message from, from the doctor? I thought it was really good. I, I, one, one thing that I did notice going slightly off of a tangent, not that we ever do that, was um, the fact that he was talking to Moff Gideon but um, the Mandalorian automatically assumed that it was months old because because Moth Gideon was dead. Now, I, I thought that was quite interesting because we, we knew that his TIE fighter crashed. We knew that he'd survived, but it appeared that nobody else knew he'd survived. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was, that was quite an interesting take on that. Um, you see, Justin, if I'd been in charge of that, I'd have gone over there, checked he was alive, and if he wasn't, pew, 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 what, shoot, well, him, <laughs> shoot him further, kill him. Anyway, that will happen in um, my world. Anyway, uh, but yes, um, it was it was an interesting <laughs> recording to listen to, um, and the fact that they talk about M count, which is bringing back. I'm, 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 we're all in agreement here. I'm assuming that that was midichlorian count. Agreed. Everyone's yep. nodding Agreed. for the sake yes, of yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. yeah, totally. Yeah, and and it also links back to this cloning idea um, so, because he, he's he's talking about the fact that they're using the blood. They need the blood of the child. Uh, it's been in short supply because they can only take so much of it at the time, um, and obviously that is driving whatever is in those test tubes. Justin. One thing to go back to that you guys were saying about, remember, cold storaging of the of the child, and that's why he's 50 years and maybe not 50 years and things like that. The one reason I think necessarily that that didn't happen is this, is that it seems the only time they drew blood from him was when they had him in the brief period of time yes. from when Mando dropped him off, right? And if you'd had him for years, you would have bled him several times right. to build a store so you could keep doing what you were doing. Let his body rebuild back up bleed him again i mean as morbid as that sounds that's what it is and and the force helps me i'm the force helped me i'm i'm with ali i would have uh i would have made sure gideon was dead i don't i don't care if he crashed in a tie fighter um you go make sure he's dead after Thank everything you. he just put you through you don't that's sloppy bounty honey sloppy. That's, that's just that's just sloppy in my opinion 
Now I understand, from story, I understand from a story perspective, we need Gideon alive, so he can't die, you know? But um, while I wasn't as, you know, it wasn't as impactful to me because we knew, you know, Gideon was alive because they had to do the tremendous, you know, dark saber reveal. It was good to see, you know, perishing because he is so intrinsically tied to the moving forward of the plot that anytime you see him, you know, you're going to get plot advancement. Yeah. So it, he's definitely going to be a significant character moving forward. Yeah. And I think that was one of the biggest takeaways for me is that the, the, the show, it, it didn't move the story along tremendously. In my opinion, if you think of the way last week's did that kind of shifted it forward, not necessarily a huge amount, but quite, by quite a, oh, quite I a just, bit. This... Go on. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I can't no, I was just saying, this, I'm going to agree with this, you, Alex. You're right. This, <laughs> oh my God, maybe I'm contrary. No, there you go. You're wrong, Alex. There you go. No, you've got it. Yeah, you've I got it from Ali. You're definitely everything wrong. We've spoken about is things that were hinted at in the episode and not necessarily happened in the episode. You know, oh, we've I, been talking about like all these things we've been talking about is as results of little things, but not because of the main plot line. I don't so, know if you saw the trilogy, but not anymore, Justin. <laughs> See, I mean, that's the thing, like, the, the, the first 20, 25 minutes of this episode didn't move the story along at all. And then we got a bit of a jolt at the end that was, it didn't move the story along, but what it did do is gave us tidbits for how the story will progress. So I think there's a little bit of a difference between moving the story along versus information to how the story will progress. Does that make sense? Smart guy, smart guy. I'm starting to worry Oh, well, Joe. <laughs> Order 66 is all I have to say to you guys, both of you. How long did it take to set up Order 66? How long was it hinted at throughout Star Wars for it to become a thing? In the movies, it wasn't. Was it not? Because <laughs> in the very beginning, no. The whole plot to build the the Clone Wars in the or, or the the clones in the in the first or in uh, the Attack of the Clones, they they basically have the plot of Order sixty six from the beginning and trying to figure out who you know ordered the clones. They had the idea of why there was a clone army. They wanted to figure that out, but I don't think they wanted. To, they don't think they had the idea that the Emperor was going to just completely kill all the Jedi. Right, but they, but in in their investigation of that, they could have uncovered Order sixty six, which is really where we get in the Clone Wars animated later with Correct. you know fives and everything and all that. Yeah, so in in the Clone Wars TV show, hundred percent. But if we look at it purely from a cinematography movie perspective... The first time we heard of it. The first yeah. time we all heard of it was when the Emperor went, execute Order 66. Yeah. And there, yeah. there was no real hint that that was a flaw built into the clones. I might you, you could you could turn around and say, well, um, the, the cloners were in cahoots with Django Fett, who wasn't a particularly nice guy. Um but then he was literally their their clone template. He was just a DNA. So their their link to him was purely to use his DNA. Except for the isn't it Obi Wan who tells Luke that they were betrayed and by the people that they were sworn to protect in in A New Hope. No, no, he it. says that. Um, we may not know the name of it, but we knew that there had been something that had happened to the Jedi. No, he also no, said he well, never owned any droids. 
Well, in well, yeah, well, yeah. I suppose <laughs> fair, if, if you go fair. all the way back to a fair new credit. hope, then the, the the suggestion from the new hope, they only mention briefly the clones or the Clone Wars. So your your father and myself both fought side by side in the Clone Wars, and it was almost implying at that point because we never knew what the Clone Wars were and we never understood how it came about. But the implication that a lot of fans took from that was that the Clone Wars were the clones were the bad guys. And so the Jedi were fighting the clones. And, and that was almost the inference from the, the, the almost like a throwaway comment 40 years ago in, in A New Hope. Um, it was Vader who betrayed the Jedi and hunted down the Jedi. It was never mentioned that, that he joined the clones. It was just suggested that Vader um, was a student of Obi-Wan who then turned on the Jedi. Right. And Darth Vader, and Darth Vader killed your father when we all yes. know that he actually is his father. But, right, yeah. right. Spoiler um, from a certain point of view, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right, jump, all right. jump, jumping back to the Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Uh, this, this is this has actually been interesting. This is, I think, this is the first show where we've probably had a sequel, original, prequel, all embedded yes. into one TV episode that's been linked yeah. intrinsically but not at the same time but but also to rebels and the clone wars we've discussed yeah. we have just discussed every aspect of this franchise other than droids tv show ewoks tv show the ewoks movies and the holiday special and the holiday special but now we've I'm mentioned them as well so there you go <laughs> not to and mention Ali, books i want to mention that obi-wan never did own droids it was anakin's droid Mm, that is true. Granted, right? now granted, he may he maybe should have recognized an R two unit that he spent a lot of time palling around with. But more to what we said about three PO and Anakin building three PO, it seems that there's a lot of protocol droids and a lot of R twos and a lot of R five droids in the galaxy. So maybe you see one droid, you seen you think you see seen one, them all. you seen them all. Yeah, it's yeah. like a car. Just because I see a Prius, you want that Disney Defender that I saw, you know, down the street. That's a valid point. though. it's a valid point. I think it's because I've actually paraphrased it wrong, but that's what I think the problem is. <laughs> Again, you were wrong. Do you know, clear. when you say something, you think, I've just got to keep going with this, and no one knows. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just got to keep digging. You just, you just continue. I would have got away with it if it wasn't that pesky American. <laughs> so, sorry, bringing it back to, to the Mandalorian, then, as much as Alex would like. We're <laughs> trying to get out of here. We're, we're, we're finding out things. Where were so, we? So we got up to the point where Dr. Fishing uh, um, was get, delivered his message. To your point there, Justin, Dave, it was really interesting to hear that they weren't aware that Gideon was clearly still alive. It was only recorded three, was it three days ago? I think three days. Yeah. Three days ago. Um, so therefore, we know he's alive. Well, they know now. They now know he's alive as well. Um, but was he they, also in the base then three days ago? Well, it was the message out to Gideon, not necessarily in the room. Yeah. The That's doctor. what I mean. That's what I mean. So Pershing was in the base. Pershing was there, but maybe not yeah. Gideon. Yeah, exactly. So, well, could we don't know still if he was there. Be there. Well, that's the thing. We don't know if he was still there or not. He could have been blown up when the lava yeah. went. Now, I was going to say, it, now he's ash. Has <laughs> anybody froze the, the video um, whilst watching that, that specific scene to actually have a look at what was in the test tubes? I've not, so I don't, I don't know if anybody else has. Yeah. I, when... When you initially you see wait, are you talking about like when we go when we cut to Gideon on the Star Destroyer on the Star? No, 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 no. Um, in the base, the clones. 
the clones. Oh, so yeah, about yeah. Mint Snoke's? Yeah, the the humanoids. Is it it looks is like it, Snoke. Because it, it is it not like too Snoke. early for Snoke? I is just don't not... know how early they were trying it. Well, no, I was thinking, are they not emperors? They look like Snoke, and that's the thing. Like it was even that was really going around on Twitter. If you, there are plenty of images around that if you put Snoke side by side of them, it's got the exact cracks on the head. It would explain how the um, tests were never ever perfect. They could never master it, and that it's would like be what Snoke's test. appearance is. The way that it is, they never properly mastered the technique. It looks so much like Snoke, and like I've I've looked at it a few times by doing what you say, Dave, by stopping it. I've, I've had the audio description on in case they had something to say to it. And then, yeah, if you actually, I haven't done it personally, but if you go on Twitter, you can find it very easily side by side. And like if you take Snoke from certain angles, because obviously the, the, the humanoid thing is at, a, is at a particular angle, you can get Snoke like that. It looks uncannily similar. Well, okay, well, I don't, you I found don't it, Justin, because I can see... So the, no, the I don't. I don't, I don't that at all. I didn't see that portion of it. I just what what I assumed was in the test tubes was just younger versions of what was on the Star Destroyer. I just figured that that was like the next batch they were growing. And well, the I one... think that I think they're two separate projects or or two projects that may come together. See, and I them what Ali says is is interesting because if it is true, people have compared them online. Then yeah, I could believe that because I mean, obviously, it's all cloning, right? In general, whether they're making these. Four yeah. sense troops, and then also working on how to, you know, re rebirth the emperor. Well, well, I was I was thinking as well because to to go back to what you've just said there, Ali, about the fact that almost like the the way Snoke looks is because they've not been able to perfect creating clones. But forty years before, they managed to create millions of clone troopers that are all perfect. Only the Kaminoans, though. Yeah, the Kaminoans, the Jedi. That's it. And I haven't seen a Kaminoan. Have you? No, but this guy is carrying the same symbol on his costume. So was he not trained by the Kaminoans? That's fair. But he's wearing the emblem on the arm, right? Different symbol, wouldn't he? He he must be linked to to Kaminoan. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I just literally Googled Mandalorian Snoke. And there's a ton of stuff that has basically gone down the path to say they look exactly the same. There's a there's an image of like the blue tube with the body in yeah. it showing a picture of Snoke. Yeah, so maybe it is. I mean, it's not been confirmed, right? But it's it's a yeah. loose connection at best for now. But it could happen in the future, and it could be a great way of explaining why Snoke was the way he was. And to Ali's point, dare I say he might be right for once. <laughs> You're on you're Ali, on I think you're right. Based on these photos you sent, I think that's that is what it looks like. You're I'm convinced. Mute. Ali, you're on mute. Uh, Ali's oh. on mute. I was saying there's loads of them from loads of different angles. Like to Ali, yeah. just go and yeah. search it, and you can you can find them. But it's hard. And and then the one I sent you in particular said there was a music cue as well, which I yeah, didn't pick up on. So I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. something I'm not very good at. I'm not as good as the at the music cues. Everybody's always like, "Oh, well, that's so and so's theme." I'm like, "How the how do you know that?" <laughs> Which is, so so okay, so they're trying to grow force sensitive beings, clones of some form. Yeah. Was okay. Jumping forward twenty five years, was Gideon? Well, was to impress the Emperor? Was Snoke force sensitive? Or was that just the Emperor acting through Snoke? 
That's a really good question. Was it the emperor or was it that? That's a really good question that no one really knows the answer to right now. Because like when I watched the film and he was said, I was every voice in your head. I, my dear boy, I am, I was Snoke. I thought that he was controlling Snoke from afar whilst in the, the body he was at the moment. However, it doesn't mean that he wasn't literally Snoke until Ben killed him. And then he went back to Exegol to go for another body that would only last for a little bit of time. No one knows the answer, but both of them work. Mm. Okay. And so I know this something. isn't canon anymore, too. Um, but the, in the original EU novels, when they go into, like, the Thrawn, when you get into Thrawn books, like, they talk about how... They talk about cloning in that book and how when they sped up the process where they... They they had weird results because of um, the need for the body to like do it naturally through the force and something was something was causing the like, like the clones to go crazy the way that their method was mm-hmm. so that's another thing too is maybe that's why Snoke was so deformed is number one is they're it's a it's a body they're trying to imbue into a Sith person so they're using the dark side so maybe it can't grow normally. Well, when you look at the the power of the dark side, the way it malforms Palpatine, yeah. right? So that's just the, the the dark side on the outside, let alone on the inside. So if it's a combination of the two, it could end up deforming them even more. Well, and there's the whole argument too. Like most people are like, oh, you know, it was it was the lightning that made him that way, and it's it wasn't necessarily in my opinion. My opinion, I still hold that 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 the Emperor had a false face that he was projecting with the Force to people. And that he looked like the shrunken Emperor for years and years before. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, definitely. Which yeah. is why when he has his hood on and stuff in those ones, his nose looks much more decrepit and his skin looks much paler. Now, granted, it's it's like a blue screen hollow typically. But in the one or two where you do see him with his hood on, he typically looks much gaunter in his face. And I think it's because when he's with his disciples, there's no need for the face, the false face. But that's just that. That's that's my wild speculation. Whereas when he when he projects himself to his subjects, as in or, regular yeah, people, he wants to be Senate. shown. As a, yeah, yeah, he wants and to be more yeah. charismatic. Once he once he was attacked, he had a perfect excuse to say, look at what they did to me and make himself sympathetic then he no longer has to waste that portion of his power putting that forward. There's that whole portion of, um, I think it's in Lost Stars. I think that's what it's called. But they talk oh, about how they, they even after the, um, even after he's disfigured, they still put out pictures of him where he looked the way he did before he was attacked mm-hmm. as, as propaganda to make him still look like the emperor they knew before. Exactly. So the last... 10 minutes or so of this episode is where we get the chase scene, which yeah. I, I, Dave, I'm going to go to, to you first on this because you're Mr. Speeder bike man um, <laughs> on, on the council. We know you have a massive affinity and love for these. The moment I must admit, the moment they came out of that uh, door, I initially thought Dave right about now is going absolutely ballistic. How did you feel when you saw the speeder bikes, mate? That was fantastic. It was. It really was. The way that they came out of the hangar and almost like free fall down until they they, they got close enough to the to the hillside for their repulsors to then kick in. And I just thought that was just fantastic. That 
that, that was great. And then and then they slalom down the hill. One of them makes a slight mistake and clips another bike, and two of them blow up. And then the, the other three make it down. And I just thought that that was just fantastic. I love that because the thing that got it for me was it wasn't just the visuals; it was also the sound effects. They they nailed it. it totally reminded me, reminded me of Empire Strike, um, uh, Return of the Jedi, where you know the blaster, the way that they moved, the pedals going down, and everything like that. The, the sound effects for me were just absolutely fantastic. Justin, how did you feel when you saw the speeder bikes come out? I love speeder bikes. I've loved speeder bikes since the Return of the Jedi, and I've always been real interested in the way they function and everything like that so to watch them go like you said like they go from a flat surface to just like all-terrain off-roading now i did find it interesting that the one dude crashed into the other guy i'd be a little upset if i was that guy but they did seem to roll away from it so maybe they survived i don't know but <laughs> to me i really like because in the first season we had a couple you know we have a we have him on like you know a speeder bike you know on tattooing but i really do like that they you know now have like a they had like a fleet of them it was cool to see like a group of them navigate a narrow area and stuff like that and um i brought up lost stars um a little bit ago it's an eu book now that's been out it's a disney official legend one i guess so um in that it's it follows two cadets who go through imperial training and they have a whole section like there's a whole portion of a chapter where they learn speeder bikes and they have to do like a whole training thing and one of the things vacation is like an obstacle course and so it's, it's real interesting to kind of see, you know, those things in real life to kind of to kind of put, you know, what you've read to see it live and stuff like that. I, I like that in real life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, live action in real life, not in my head, you know, not in the fantasy that is my head as I read my books. Because it's, it's interesting how, you know, we then see them try and attack that ship uh, or cruiser that the, the, the car and those guys have actually kind of stolen from the base as well. Um, I did feel sorry for his speeder actually when they stole it and it jumped out and went smash straight onto his speeder. I did feel sorry for him. I even made he even made a comment, didn't he, about, oh, no, my speeder or whatever it was, um, which I thought was quite funny. But then the basically the TIE fighters took off and... I must admit, I'm a big fan of these. I mean, I've always loved a TIE fighter anyway. I've got it in Lego. I've got the originals. I've got it in a micro machine, for crying out loud, from back in the 90s. Um, that's how much I love TIE fighters. But then to see the new ones, to your point earlier on, Dave, with the wings collapsing mm. and opening again, um, I thought, you know, the, the reintroduction of them was was absolutely fantastic. And to continue that particular chase scene, um, Ali didn't hear from you on the speeder bikes or the or the uh, tie fighters, mate. Did any of them hit your contrary buttons? Gotta be honest, I'm not a collector like you you guys, so I really don't care as much as you do. Oh, oh, oh. wow! Talk about sucking energy out of the room. <laughs> like they're they're nice, they look nice, but you know, I, you know, I'm not gonna enjoy them to the gentleman level that you two are. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's fast forward then to the biggest issue that you've got is that we then see the Razor Crest basically taking them out. Yeah. Uh, and that, that rubbed you up the wrong way. Yeah, it did, seriously. So this pre-Imperial rubbish ship <laughs> can perform these outstanding manoeuvres and do that? Come on. Well, well okay. Well, Come it depends, on. It, it depends upon what type. We don't know what type of ship the Razor Crest is because if you, if you go... On. If you go back to um, Boba Fett's ship, 
Um, so that's, that's a, a, a fire spray class um, gunship. Nice. Um, there was only ever 10 of them made, and Django Fett managed to nick one of them. Um, and that was a prototype-style gunship um, with advanced weaponry and capability. There's no reason why the Razor Crest isn't... Obviously, it's not a fire spray class, but there's no reason why that's not another one-off or short run of of a prototype with advanced features that, that you wouldn't see. The two hours repair time it had from the banned-up state it was... Well, that's another matter. That's another matter. It was never, ever. That's what I mean. I mean, okay, we can... We, like I said I, earlier, we shall we shall remove the disbelief from it. But man, that's just if if you want Tie Fighters to have any sort of importance or legacy or any sort of credibility, that should not be happening. Mm. That that's another thing. I would agree with that. That it to go from being held together literally by string, literally, literally, to being capable of taking on two Tie Fighters. Three Tie Fighters. Three. I know you yeah. said earlier that the uh, the Imperial engineers were not the best with regard to handrails, <laughs> but I, I'd always thought they sorted out their ships pretty niftily. Yeah, yeah, and and these are prototype ties again. They're not your run of the mill ties. Two things: the Millennium Falcon helps uh, shoot Darth Vader and a bunch of Tie Fighters off of Luke Skywalker's back when they weren't paying attention while chasing him. We have a similar sort of situation here. We did. For the beginning, granted, the whole 180-degree uh, flip in the air and then corkscrew spiral down on the last guy. Well, amazingly cool. I like it. <laughs> Look. All of it, a little impractical. But much to that same point, the Millennium Falcon's one of the most arm like you know, heavily armored and fastest hunk of junks in the galaxy. So is so that was just a freighter. It's a little bit different to the Razor Crest. I, yeah, but at the same time, you know, the maneuverability yeah. of that thing that we've seen over the <laughs> years. And at the same time, you said two hours, but then weren't you also saying that it took them a long time to get out somewhere on the on on the on the speeder to get out to the uh, the garrison, like? Well, that's so, why I was yeah. saying no, but that's why I was making the point earlier about time not mattering. Yeah. Like, right, I'm being I, very I, flippant. I, don't, I don't think they you know, were that far away. I don't. I don't think they were that far away because they were. If you go back to the very end of the this show with the chase, they were being chased by the speeder bikes for about half of the chase. They managed mm-hmm. to take them out, and by the time they're taking out the speeder bikes, the tides were then up in the air. They continue to chase them for the, the, the next 50% of the journey out onto the, the, the plains. And when the when when Cara June and Grief and whatever had managed to get out of the canyons onto the, the, the plains, the city was in front of them. They weren't mm-hmm. that far away from the city at that point. That's fair. So, I, I do, so I, yeah, I do take your point of that. That's drive, true. To be fair. How did why did they have any free bloody stormtroopers in the thing? They've not seen any comings and goings in that during that entire time as they looking up at this huge mountain overlooking their town and oh what's that popping in there must be just them leaving again no one ever drops off they just leave all the time apps come on maybe they got cloaking devices as well oh now you're talking talk to me more dave (laughs) (laughs) it all links back to this isb doesn't it it does So, so, go on. I was going to say, and then the Mandalorian saves the day. And then he the did. Mandalorian saves the day. 
Because that's what the Mandalorian does. And then, dare I say it, we get to the last minute or two of this yeah. episode where things got interesting. Yeah. Now, we touched on the uh, Star Destroyer that appears. We, we see the typical Star Wars shots of introducing a, a Star Destroyer eking its way across the screen. Loved it. Must admit, I loved it. Um, and then, of course, we see... What's his name? Moff Gideon. That's it. Um, wearing his Darth Vader outfit. Yeah, I uh, thought that. Which was interesting. Um, did he wear it in season one? I don't think he did. You think now, maybe he, he may have worn it, but we didn't see it to the same extent, I don't think. Yeah, so... It really... Uh, it had huge Darth Vader vibes. And the way he looked up at the helmet as well, I thought it was almost like a salute to Vader. Right, okay, I, I didn't see it like that. Because the, the chest plate, for me, reminds me of um, from Empire Strikes Back when we saw... Um, oh, what was the name? The, the commander that... Well, if you can't remember, it didn't happen to ground attack on Hoth. Oh, what, in the first attack? Yeah. You're talking about the guy who was on the radio. Yes. So yeah, he yeah. wore he wore a grey chest plate. That's right. That that was almost like, had like a dome-type shape at the top and then two straight panels. Yeah, that was more like a vest, wasn't it? Whereas it what, was, but, what... but it didn't, wasn't Gideon wearing something similar? It was like a chest plate... He, he might have he shoulder, shoulder pads, pads well. and everything. Yeah, oh, he yeah. had a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. He, he may have the shoulder pads as well, but but the armor is. I might. I suppose that's that's the thing about armor. You you can add separate like pauldrons, shoulder pauldrons. You can add braces onto the arms, so you could go as full armor as you want to go. I think but the reason why I, I think I got the Vader vibes a because of the chest plate, b because of the armor, black. and he had a cape on. He did. It's like, but then we the saw him thing, in the cape previously. Yeah, the only thing that was missing was a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because he's got the lightsaber. Yeah. Um, but then, obviously, Ali, you, you kind of mentioned this. I, I saw what was in those chambers at that particular point, and I thought maybe they're... Um, oh, what, are the, what are the big droids that were from the Clone Wars, the ones that... Had, I saw them and thought that immediately I, I didn't put the two and the two together again Dark Troopers Dave, Dave because we'd seen it before you Alex literally text me with the link to with the link to Dark Troopers straight away yeah. but I, I had no idea what they are I've never seen that before because I don't read the EU and stuff but so again that it. links back to video. Jedi Outcast yeah it's a video game See, Dark Troopers have always been... I've always known about Dark Troopers in the same manner of a Shadow Trooper. Shadow so the Shadow Trooper are, again, Black Storm Troopers, because then, obviously, Death Troopers were brought in in Rogue One. Mm. At that point, I mean, Dave, I think we spoke about it years ago, didn't we? Like, when we saw it in the trailer, I was like, oh, my God, they're bringing in Shadow Troopers. Yes. But then they called them Death Troopers. So now we've seen a different variation, and Dark Troopers were the same. I'm eager to see where they take Dark Troopers, knowing that, these look like phase three dark troopers. Well, I was going to say that, yes. And that could be where you've got the clone. They're trying stop, to yeah, clone. Yeah. Stop, stop, stop. What is a phase three trooper? Right, okay. Just, for people like me, I've got no idea what you're talking about. Okay, so, so, so in the EU, there was three phases of dark trooper. 
all three phases were robots. And so that was taking us back to when the separatists used droid armies. But these were more advanced, more intelligent, more capable than the droids. And phase one and phase two, phase one was very much more of a skeleton. Phase two had more armor to it and was slightly bulkier. But phase three, which to go back to, to Alex's point, these look more like phase three, which were bigger, bulkier. But, and this then links back to what we were saying earlier on this podcast with, with, with Justin, about the fact that I think the what we saw in the clone pods being being grown is not necessarily the same project as the dark troopers however going to the eu the idea of the the dark the phase three dark trooper as well as being a droid could be opened up and a living person could climb into the armor and the idea was that the the remnant empire was trying to grow force sensitive troopers who could wear dark trooper armor like an iron man suit yes so so i think they're two separate projects but with the capability of bringing together so that what was what we saw in navarro with the with the clones and trying to force grow some form of force sensitive clone could eventually end up in that armor i like that but that that's loads of eu stuff Mm. <laughs> but again, they're, they're picking they're from one game franchise of the EU. They're picking and choosing these components of the EU to bring in. At, I mean, I didn't expect the Dark Trooper to be shown. I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, did I. no, did uh, I. If, if you'd have taken the list of everything to see in season two of The Mandalorian, yeah, we can go down the route of Ahsoka, Sabine, blah, blah, blah. Dark Trooper would not have even made the top 50 no. for me. No. Um, you know, and to, to your point, Ali stooped in in so slightly more expanded universe and other forms of content to receive star wars uh, show me a star wars fan that would have predicted a dark trooper in this series do you know what though this, this is where it gets exciting from two different perspectives and, and i might be experiencing it like for not the first time but one of the first times in that i don't get excited by these things that you're talking about because i don't know where they're from or what they do or what they're capable of mm. at the moment to me they're just some suits right when i see them and even though we've spoken about this it kind of like it makes it really interesting but luckily i don't know when they've been used before in the eu i don't know what they did so anything i see with this is going to be completely with fresh eyes so i won't be disappointed with it in a way that you guys might end up being if it doesn't fit in with the eu if that makes sense it kind I of goes back disappointed us. regardless <laughs> <laughs> i will try i will try i think that's a really fair point ali though to be fair it's the way that they've kind of entwined easter eggs other content in other forms into this show but they've done it in such a way that even if you're a uh, shiny you know you're gonna go into this and know actually you know what I, i'm enjoying this it all makes sense and then there's these little tidbits of stuff like the dark troopers that people might not know what a dark trooper is but they're gonna see it and go wow what's in there because it's gonna it's gonna have to link into an episode of some description at some point um so it's like because you're right there are some people who would just have watched the films some people who would be like me who have watched like the films the tv series and known a little bit 
And but so today I've not really been too surprised by anything that I've seen in the Mandalorian. But this to me is it. It's the first time where I've gone, I've got no idea. I, I don't know what this thing is, but you guys do. Did you enjoy it anyway? Well, I've not seen anything. I've just in a couple of suits hanging up at the minute. No, but I mean, like, what, what, okay, so when you first saw it, did, 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 what was your reaction to seeing it? Oh, to be honest, I thought they were battle droids the first time, like you did. That's what I thought they were. And so I, when I saw them, I just thought, oh, they're just like superior battle droids and thought not much of it, if that makes sense. And I think like most people who don't know what you guys do probably just thought, okay, they're, they're, they're some sort of suited things and we'll see what happens. So I think that's really good that, that you know, you guys have that and a lot of us won't. Yeah, there's, there's stuff for the day-to-day nerds the way some of us are. I include myself in that. But there are some that who are like, I don't like using the word casual because uh, it, it, it diminishes the fandom of others, but who may not be into other forms of exposing themselves to Star Wars storytelling, basically. So it's, it's a nice way for them to do that. Um, and I think it's a good way that they're making these episodes become all-encompassing, but then also incredibly <sighs> digestible to any type of fan. Yeah, guys, I realise we're going to go super long on this episode, partly because yeah. we didn't do the sort of preview one. But there are there are a couple of little things to talk about, and I'll just mention them if that's all right because they're on my list. The first of all is is about the fact, and Dave and I spoke about this, so Dave and I don't really necessarily to go into this too much. But the fact is is that Ahsoka is obviously not the Jedi that the Mandalorian is looking for because she's not a Jedi, right? Which means that is in the next episode, and it was a question by one of our uh, Twitter followers, was a, is the end game that Ahsoka leads him to Ezra and Sabine, or is it Luke Skywalker? Because those seem to be like the only couple of options on the table right now. And I wouldn't have thought they'd have done Luke Skywalker before, but I think they would now. Hmm. I just don't know. That's why that's why I said like because you and I talked about this last week, Dave. So I just wondered what you guys thought of that because obviously next episode it looks like we're going to meet Ahsoka and she's not the person he's looking for. Well, she's not a Jedi for a start. Exactly, that's what I mean. And he's looking for a Jedi. But in Bo's eyes, she is. Yes. Yeah, but, but I mean, but when he says to Ahsoka, "I'm looking for a Jedi," she'll be like, "I'm not a Jedi." So she yeah. has to then. So she has to be the conduit to. And the other thing is, we don't know what Luke Skywalker's doing at this point, do we? We don't know if he's put out a call to the universe saying, who's the Force-sensitive children to start training? We don't know if that's happened. We don't know where he, he is at at this moment. So we don't know, like, he, he that, you see what I mean? To me, it gets really interesting because there, there are two options. There are two ways it goes for me from there, from that story, which is one is Ezra, which is quite linear in terms of what's happened in Rebels, and I can see that happening. But he's not but Jedi the other one. But the other one is Luke Skywalker, and I can see that happening just as much. This was not a Jedi either, though. Go on, go on, Justin. It's not either of them. It's a whole new Jedi we've never met before. And stick with me. Stick with me for a second. Stick with me for a second. All right, Mr. Contrary. As soon as you find the Jedi that you give the child to, the Mandalorian's over. They're not going to end their golden goose. So they're going to have to figure out a way that somehow the Mandalorian, the child, and whoever the child's teacher becomes in the Jedi way, they have to figure out some way to keep them together. Well, unless, you know, Force Ghosts come into this being like, 
hmm, my clone you are. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess, but where's the Force Ghost at this point, then? It's a very good question. I, well, I, I, I reckon that the Mandalorian's only going to be four seasons tops. You think so? Yeah. I, I was going to say three. Ah. Hmm. If that's the case, then maybe, maybe. I, I just have seen with like Rebels and stuff like those tend to be like four and five. Now the Clone Wars itself, that was the animated show was very long, and I, I think that's un. I think that that's mostly because it was before Disney. I don't think Disney has Correct. the where. But it was it was it was also the way that TV shows were. If you went back yeah. ten years, sure. you had you you had twenty episode seasons. Sure, it was half yeah. a year was was a season. Yeah. Whereas now with with streaming services. You get ten to fifteen episodes tops. Yeah. Well, and that was you're not after the advertising revenue anymore. You're after the yeah. streaming subscription right. yeah, model. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was one of the questions somebody had actually on the Twitter thing we posted was, um, you know, do you want more episodes or longer episodes? What would you prefer? Both. Or do you? Think? <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I said that. Yeah, my both. response to it is, as long as quality doesn't suffer, give me as yes. much Star Wars as you can. Correct. Okay, and my well, other I... quick my other quick question was was that um, so right at the end of this episode, obviously we were talked about earlier the tracking device, right? So Moff Gideon thinks he's going to find the child wherever he's going, but he's going to find someone else with a lot of midi chlorians. True, and that's where I think I mean that's going to be quite interesting when Moff Gideon comes up and sees Ahsoka with lightsabers. If they he, he would, there's, there's no way Moff Gideon could uh, could fight Ahsoka. He would have I've, his us what? I have yeah. another theory. Oh, go on. It will be Ahsoka. Yeah. She will turn around and say, "I'm not a Jedi, but I can tell you where to find one." And that's what that's, I think. That's yeah. what I think. Ahsoka, I mean, Ahsoka will be a one and done in this. So that's why I think. That's why my question was, who does she? send them to for that one but also when moff gideon encounters this huge this force user mm. it'll be interesting to suddenly see like oh i don't do I want child yeah. or i want that one i don't think mm. he will i think that my my take on it will be the jedi that we see in episode five or chapter 13 is ahsoka yeah. she then tells the mandalorian a little bit more about who the jedi are blah 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 tells her where to find it she then is never seen again because that's yeah. Dave Filoni's only episode that he's directing we've then got three other episodes where it wraps up the story of the Mandalorian trying to find the other Jedi both Katan coming back yeah. to fight Gideon and then wrap up the story because I don't, oh, well, I don't... one other story Boba Fett I don't think he'll come back I don't I think, think he's got to come back in some way for them to be. We know that that TV show's in production now, and they moved the Mandalorian back to put it in production. There has to be some very small little link in there somehow. Well, it, doesn't need, it doesn't need to be. All they've done was give the nod to show the fans he survived. Yeah, because we don't know. We, we don't know when the TV show's taking place. We don't know if the TV show's going to take place at the same time as the Mandalorian. Is he going to be That's before true. that? Because if all we know is that he escaped the Sarlacc pit, they've got. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a fair point, but I just, I think that storyline, I think there would be a lot of disappointed people if that was it. No. I, uh, for me, I, I mean, you guys know, and the fans who would listen to our shows before would know that I'm a huge Boba Fett fan, right? But I'm happy that they've done what they've done and moved on. And if they don't bring him in, because this show isn't, to your point, Ali, it's not a Boba Fett show. No, I that's don't think it should be. 
this is Mandalorian. Focus on him, focus on Baby Yoda and the child and move on. And if we don't see him again, and if we only see Ahsoka, I mean, you guys know I love Ahsoka as well. If we only see them for one episode, even if we only see Ahsoka for 10 minutes, I'm fine. And at the start of this show, I said, I have a theory about that. I'm wondering, seeing what they did with Bo-Katan, is Rosario Dawson may play Ahsoka, but I, I genuinely have a feeling that Ashley Eckstein yes. will be the voice. I do. Possible. And yeah. so I genuinely think that's going to happen. Now, that's a very, now we'll find out Friday. Good. But that's going to be my kind of take. Ali, were there any other things you wanted to add to your contrary list? That's, that's, that's it for the moment. The, 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 other, the other cameo that I would love to see next week is Rex. Or Which Sabine. Uh, Sabine, Sabine. I want Rex. Well, it's another reason for us to see Tim and Morrison, right? Yeah. What if, what if, here's my take on it. What if we get Ahsoka and Sabine next week, but then Ahsoka points, um, points them to Rex to get to the next Jedi? Because Rex has some contact with Luke. Because we saw him on Endor as part of the Commando Squad. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. true. But also, sorry, just to go back to the Sabine point, I cannot see a way that if she is in an episode and her relationship with the Darksaber, that she doesn't continue in the series. That would just make no sense. It's it's with Bo-Katan, though, wasn't it? I know, Bo-Katan is haunting down the Darksaber. But she was a wielder of it to bring her entire planet back together. That was the premise of, you know, what she was doing to begin with and then passing it on. So the idea of her just popping up and saying, oh, someone else has got it who's not a Mandalorian and leaving it. That's well, why then think... nobody, know, nobody knows that, though. Well, she's the about to. Moff Gideon's about, about to come and find them. Well, well, uh, well yes. Um, that That's what I'm saying. Time. That's why it's, uh, if, if that happens, and this is all speculation, but if Moff Gideon turns up in the next episode with Ahsoka there, with the dark saber and Sabine's it. It's just, I, see, I, I don't, and the rumor has long been, this is where it splits off into rebels live action. Isn't it? After episode five. See, I don't think this will be, I don't think Moff Gideon will be in the next episode. If he is, it will just be a fleeting, like he did at this one at the end for 30 seconds. That's what I, well, anyway, that's my kind of, it could be, guess. it could be. Um, I think I don't, be there. yeah, he doesn't necessarily need to, to, to apprehend the child. He's got, the Empire or the remnants of the Empire, he can just send. But he knows they can't do it. So he I was going to say they've failed miserably so far, haven't they? <laughs> but then so is he. Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Only because about 50,000 Mandalorians turn up. <laughs> fair, fair. So I think we've pretty much covered chapter 12. Yeah. Siege. Agree. It's been two hours long. Is called. The Jedi. the Jedi. It's just gonna, yeah. It's just crazy, isn't it? Just call it the Yasoka, and I've done with. Um, <laughs> well, that's why so it's crazy. That... Like we said, she's not a Jedi, but it's called the Jedi, like the Siege, but not a Siege. <laughs> well, well, maybe, this, this, maybe this... it's in reference to the Jedi because that's who they're looking for, regardless yeah. of whether Ahsoka is a Jedi. Because you're going to get the info on on where to the find Jedi. Jedi. But that's just really quite exciting, I think. Just the title alone and what. <laughs> yeah. The Jedi rather than a Jedi. Yeah, exactly. It's just but, but then we've we've got that could be down to the way that they've done other episodes because you've got 
the child, you've got the the the, the, the bounty or whatever. You, you, bounty. It's, yeah, it's the way that they reference the various it's like, different. It's like a Friends episode with the one with. And yeah. The, the, yeah. The, uh, so with that in mind, gentlemen. I'm going to try and add some normality to whoa, this podcast. Oh, oh, yeah. Dave, competition time. Competition. I was getting oh. there. <laughs> I don't think he was. <laughs> you stole my thunder. I was going to do it after. So, Dave, thought. let's talk about the competition here. <laughs> no, go on. Sorry, Alex. We stole your thunder. No, no. Do the competition. It's fine. <laughs> Being very sensitive. <laughs> I've got a smile on my face. I'm saying it. Do the competition. It's fine. <laughs> he's, tired. he's crying. His teeth clenched behind. <laughs> now he's moved to cry. Good job, guys. You made Alex cry. <laughs> Dave, oh, the competition. Poor Alex. So, we have a competition at the moment, which ends this Friday, the 27th. So, people have got five days to enter this competition. We will be offering one of two from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back, which is 40 stories of various different characters that we see or, or that are alluded to within uh, The Empire Strikes Back. And it's been released to coincide with the 40th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back. Um, and all you have to do to win this competition or to be in with a chance of winning this competition, um, is to email, um, may the force be with you, so mtb... mtfbwy. There you go, at, at thejedicouncil.com. All you have to do is email that email address with the answer to two questions. The first one is, according to 3PO, in Empire Strikes Back, what are the odds of successfully navigating an asteroid field? And also, from Empire Strikes Back, what is the name of the giant space slug creature that we saw in the asteroid field that the Millennium Falcon took shelter in? So if you email us at our email address, Alex, what is it again? M T F B Y, W, W, Y. Yeah, I'm way around. May the force be with you. Just say those initials. What is it? At thejedicouncil.com. Email us with that. Title of your email is Empire and answer those two questions. If you are successful in answering those two questions, just tell us um, how many different channels you follow us on various different um, social media. So if you follow us on YouTube, that's one. If you follow us on um soundcloud that's another one if you follow us on apple um itunes that's another one if you follow us on twitter follow us on ig if you follow us on facebook you could have seven or eight entries um and and every entry is valid and we will give you a number depending upon how many entries and how many channels that you follow uh, on the 27th um we will do a draw and the two numbers that are drawn will win one copy each of that those books. Now we have entries at the moment from New York that I'm aware of. I think the rest of them are currently from the UK. Personally, because I'm the one paying for the postage, I would rather a UK person won this. However, 
However, I am a man of my word, and if if um, I'll, I will give a shout out, it's um, a certain follower of us called Wembley. If she is the winner, then I will be shipping a book to New York to her. Come um, on, Australian, Singapore, Papua New Guinea, followers, come on! The most remote. Where's the most remote place that listen to us? Get in there. I will personally make sure you win. I'll do it. I will cheat to make sure you win to cost Dave roughly his annual salary and postage. So, so However, listeners, you, you, so listeners, you, because, I was just about to say, you've already heard him. He is a imperial, but he's also a Donald Trump. He wants to rig elections. But anyway, sorry, Dave, carry on. I'm literally trying um, to find someone in I, 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 I right am now. a man of my word, unlike Ali, and it will be whoever is drawn. <laughs> Whatever number is drawn. And with that in mind, gentlemen, I'm going to ask you for your final thoughts. Justin. <laughs> this, is, this has been a pleasure, guys. <laughs> um, no, my final thoughts are uh, great episode. I, Despite, you know, the lackluster, you know, dialogue, I think there was quite a lot of action. We got to see, you know, we got to, despite you guys saying that I don't, I, I think that the story moved forward. I think that we've set up and we ha- now have a clearer picture as to where things are going, at least from Gideon's side and things like that. Um, you know, I liked it. I had I had a fun time. I, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the uh, I enjoyed the episode, and it it was over before I realized it. You know what I mean? So let's go more. Two thumbs up from Justin Ali. Final thoughts, mate. Yeah. First of all, congratulations, gents, on beating our previous record. I'm sure this is the longest podcast we've ever had. So well done on that. I really thought we wouldn't go past two hours again, but we've managed it. And and the best thing is, is we, we sort of have gone along the plot, but but we've actually, to Justin's point, I don't think it was the greatest episode, but I do think it was one of the best episodes in providing fans the space to breathe and think about what the implications were and really come up with your own sort of ideas going forward and speculate. And I think that's a really fun thing that perhaps we haven't had the opportunity to do too many times recently and say, well, this could happen, this could happen. And, you know, all of it could be nonsense and some of it might be right if by some fluke that happens. But the fact that it's a possibility, it's a really great thing to talk about. And I really like that. And so I think the episode itself, meh, but what it did, really liked. Dave? There were lots of things I really liked about the episode. Lots, lots of great things. The, the speed of bike chase, um, the tying back into the clones. The, the, the talk of midichlorian, something that's long been poo-pooed, um, the, the, the imperial um, stormtrooper transport. Um, Carl Weathers has done a, a decent job if this is the very first thing he's ever directed, to be honest. Um, a very enjoyable episode overall. Lots of nods to the EU, which I loved, including the, 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 the dark troopers at the end. Um, the only reservation I had, Katie Sackoff wasn't in this episode. I was going to bring this up, Dave, because they haven't listened to the last podcast, so they don't know what you said about it. So I will listen to the last podcast. I'm worth about listening it. just to hear him go go on oh, about Katie yes. Sackoff. So, oh. like, definitely, Dave, Dave and the Sackoff. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um sorry, I'll, I'll leave it there. I'm just I'm just glad you brought that up, Dave, because I was going to bring it up if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so my final thoughts are this episode is a bit 
it's funny because like the last 30 seconds of the episode where we were on the, the, the Star Destroyer kind of made it even better than what it was. Kind of reminded me of Solo. Solo was a great film. But then we got the last five minutes of Vader in that action sequence and it just made it a whole heap better. And you mean this Rogue. particular... Rogue One. Darth Maul. Solo was Darth Maul. Rogue yeah, both. Both. <laughs> both. You know, both. That would be. Yeah, both. Um, where was we it... got that, that, that ultimate villain at the end and it was the same for this. So that for me was fantastic. Knowing where we're going with the Jedi, whoever that may be in the next episode. Again, huge amounts to look forward to. So I'm, yeah, bring on Friday. Uh, and with that, we are the Jedi Council. Thank you very much for taking the last two hours to listen to us. Uh, we are here to wear everything and anything Star Wars. Follow us on social media. Uh, Twitter, we are at the Jedi underscore council. Facebook, we are uh, at TJC underscore the Jedi underscore council. Instagram, we are at the Jedi underscore council underscore TJC. Find us online at all the W's dot the hyphen Jedi hyphen council dot com. SoundCloud is where you will find the host of our uh, podcast and our back catalogue of shows. Find us on the iOS, iTunes podcast app. Follow us on Google Play, Podbean, Player.fm. We are on Spotify. We are on Amazon Music. Um, Go on YouTube. We've got some cool content up and coming for the YouTube video. Again, at the Jedi Council is very much where you're going to find us. And remember, we'll be back next week to talk about episode 13, chapter 13, I should say. And may the force be with you. The force will be with you. 